There can be no other man to save burn three. No need to change. Keep it tuned to save Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, my neighbor. Good morning to life. Good morning. Music. Talk. Inspiration. In perspective. Express yourself. Good morning, my neighbor. City FM, your station. It's a refreshing lifestyle. City FM. 7.3 You are here And you said you'd never leave We need you, Lord We need you, Lord You are here And you said you'd never leave We need you, Lord We need you, Lord We
6.32, Tuesday morning, 28th, 97.3 City Affair. His name is Dr. Toomey. We need you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. We believe you, Lord. Start your day right. Start with the right show, the right song, and the right mindset. It's a multi-part show starting from now till 10. This week we're taking business sense from Leadership in Africa Redefined and told stories. Taka Awori, founder of Busara Africa. She quotes on page 12, The Road to Leadership. And this is Rapalanga Rabana. She says, not everyone realizes that by not choosing, life chooses for you. And that is never the ideal outcome. Those who become great are deliberately creating their life paths as opposed to allowing life to happen to them. Let me repeat that. Not everyone realizes that by not choosing, life chooses for you. And that is never the ideal outcome. Those who become great are deliberately creating their own life paths as opposed to allowing life to happen to them. You are in the driving seat. You are in control. Make that choice today. Stand up for what is right. Stand up for what you believe. To live by purpose, not by convenience. It's a choice you must make. There has to be a day you decide. I will not be ordinary. It's not about being popular. It's not about being followed or liked. It's about living for purpose. It's about making an impact in the sands of time. Nobody stumbles into greatness. There has to be a day you decide. My life will no longer be ordinary. Get a book. Leadership in Africa Redefined. Untold Stories. That's our choice for business sense this morning. It's brought to you by ADB. Call us on 0244284197. There's no interest on repayment within 30 days of getting up to 10,000 CDs or 80% of your next net monthly salary. Terms and conditions apply. ADB truly are Greek and more. And don't forget the Airtel Money Tugu Misu Reloaded is back. Up to a million CDs up for grabs. Dial star 500 hash. Check your Airtel Money weekly. Check your calls. Check your data targets. Don't forget it's star 500 hash to enter the promo now. Slowly but surely. We're getting into the newspaper review segment. We love you, Lord. We you love you, Jesus. And it's brought to us by Total. We love you, Lord. Total quotes 9,000 future 0 W20. For optimum performance, for efficiency, for convenience, for high quality engine performance. Keep your engine younger for longer, we total. And Fidelity Bank is announcing again, July 1st, 2022. Ghana card will be the only acceptable ID for all your transactions. Visit fidelitybank.com.gh or use the mobile app to conveniently update your records. is the 
The City Breakfast Show. The City's Biggest Conversation. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. All right, so we have the newspaper review. Kuku is back on radio. Good morning. Morning, Bernardino. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm great. Good. Yeah, yesterday was a really interesting day from the <laughs> yeah. studio to the, uh, what do you call to it? Alisa. Alisa, back on back TV. It was really interesting. Yeah. Learned a lot yeah. from the three presenters for the City Summit. And I also have Kojo here. Good morning, Kojo. Good morning, Bernard. How are you guys doing? Very well. Fantastic. Right. So what are the papers saying? They're saying a lot. Mm. Um, okay, I'm going to start with the anchor. Because, Is it? Yes. All right. Because the other day, you know, I was driving on the airport bypass road. All right. Bernard, mm-hmm. the, the, the bushes or weeds or grass or whatever, not from the median, from the sides of the road, are overgrown so much that they're spilling into the road now. So they'll basically so if you're not careful, cover your windscreen. You will not just cover your windscreen, you will drive into bush. So what's the headline saying? Well, weeds take over major roads in Accra mm. as urban roads, highways, officials drink tea and coffee. Oh. This is the anchor newspaper front page. Uh, they, but it's actually very serious. They Bernard. need money. They need, they need money? Yes. Yeah, to weed. The minister for the sector must look at his budget and say this is the budget for regular routine maintenance. We didn't. You know, the thing, about, the thing about government agencies is that without money they can't do anything. True. Yeah, without money they can't move. You see. Yeah, hmm. and, if, and even if you decide to go and weed, they will say stop. <laughs> it's not your work. It's somebody's contract, so you can't weed it. So that's the anchors from see, This is where community service comes in, which is a good thing. So they want okay. to bring that in. As they well. want to bring that in. Okay, across circuit court stinks as water and light go off for a week. Hmm. No night demo today, High Court rules, mm. and Takwa MP commissions health facility to expand access to health care. Mm. The Ghanaian Times, let's focus on TVET, Vice President tells West Central Africa government. Trade Minister, uh, Mr. Lanchamating, advocates loan guarantee scheme for MSMEs. Avoid monkeypox by adhering to COVID-19 safety protocol. This is Dr. Benjamin Kisisasu. And eight companies in court for defaulting 1.7 billion Ghana cities net workers contribution. The Daily Graphic front page, industrialization drive, 67 business resource centers built and 37 in operation, says Trade Minister Alan Chermatin. Also, National Service Teacher Training Program starts in September. Dasibre Kwekubwating sworn in as new job in Hini. Government considers regularizing built-up areas of CSIR lands. So apparently, the 900 acres that have been encroached, they say, okay, we won't move them we'll get them regularized okay and reduce fuel prices to lower cost of food this is traders speaking to government now the chronicle economy is harsh but there is hope this is ordinary kwekwa pia speaking asabi's agenda 6040 touches base with grassroots subing mp hope subing mp hopeful pulls gun on givers boss New NACOC Act does not legalize we per se. This is the precedent. And there's a photo of the Greater Accra Regional Minister in a helmet and military fatigues. And the headline says, Ramsar Sites Dwellers, Wombae, hmm. Accra Commando warns. The graphic business front page, a quarter of insurance claims are fake. And that phenomenon is soiling the industry's reputation. Also, BDCs are struggling for dollars to import. Middlemen, not the cause of high food prices, says the Agricultural Workers Union. And major boost for SMEs as major institutions support the Development Bank. Mm. Now, the finder, workers need 20% cola urgently. 
proposed hikes in utility tariffs should be suspended. This is the TUC. Access Bank leads conversation on the future of payments. Dr. Baumia rallies African governments to invest in educational reforms. No ninth demonstration court tells Arise Ghana. GRA built ultramodding headquarters to save 4 million Ghana City annual rent. And poorly targeted subsidies amid crisis prolonged effects of inflation. This is Jeff Gable at yesterday's event. Right. The Daily Guide front page. NPP OK's candidates for elections. NDC in night demo drama with police. African ministers draw new education plan. And E-Levy failing to deliver. That's Gabby Autry Darko speaking Now the new crusading guide. TUC fights PURC over new utility tariffs. I will create a vibrant party, Asabi, as he picks number seven. I also North MP's wife fingered in land disputes. Let's promote peace for development in Ghana. This is Dr. David Bindan urging all of us. And Osumafu Mensah sets record straight, says there is nothing wrong with using state money for a national cathedral. All right, let's go online and see a few more stories. City Newsroom is leading with Arise Ghana, the moon on partisan in public interest, according to Sami Jemfi. Meanwhile, the uh, lawyer says it will be peaceful. Terrorism claims are untenable. Lower Manya residents are confronting soldiers and ECG over prepaid meters. Still on the City Newsroom website, African countries must question theories and adapt new ideas. This is David Ofosu-Dorte. Meanwhile, ESA director is questioning wholesale subsidies, all of these at the CD summit. Meanwhile, intelligent traffic management system contract, Abuja worried over looming judgment debt. If you go to my journal online, the lead story, former NDAC accuses successor of doctoring figures, forging a signature in 10 million CD fraud case. Meanwhile, the E-Levy is not the ACOBAM they promised. It has failed, Dr. Atufosin. And then government will withdraw E-Levy if it is not helpful. This is Kweku Kwating. And then Arise Ghana, demo hits the streets over poor conditions of life or economic conditions. Star FM is talking about the demo as well. It says the state of execution against police July 11. Tension at Krobo as Nyasu residents confirm military and ECG team. And then minority warns government over $50 million looming judgment debt. This is the Kwame Agbuja story. GNA's focus is on ECG Ghana Water proposed tariff hike will compound our economic crisis. This is the TUC. They sent a letter yesterday. Meanwhile, Chematin says, start something before retirement. This is Alan K. And then Ghana welcomes World Bank's new education strategy for Western and Central Africa. City Business News, Unilever is upbeat about future growth prospects. City Business Festival enters final week. Forum on Agribusiness comes off today. And uh, BOG must enforce regulations on informal forex trading. This is Professor Peter Quarte from the CD Summit. If you go to uh, the Ghana report, presidential jet is not cut out for long journeys, according to an aviation expert. And then this uh, Gabi story, only 10% of targeted E-Levy revenue generated. Gabi supports IMF bailout. Hmm, sent. That's a very, very interesting one. Indeed. Uh, let's get into those stories now. Okay. I'm going to start with the night demo drama with mm. police. That's in the Daily Guide. And mm. Accra High Court has altered the timelines and routes of an intended demonstration by a group calling itself Arise Ghana. The court said the group could demonstrate any time between 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. today. The group had notified the police about their intention to organize a two-day non-stop demonstration from June 28th through the night and end at 5 p.m. on June 29th and also picket in front of the Jubilee House during the night. But the 
police turned down the request, citing security reasons as well as public safety, taking into consideration instabilities in neighboring countries. Following a series of meetings, Arise Ghana informed the police that instead of two continuous days, the demonstration will start on the first day at 3 p.m. and end at 10 p.m. and then resume the next day. But again, it went back and forth. Um, it actually went to court. Now we know that they are allowed to demonstrate between 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. today, and a representative from Jubilee House can receive any petition that they will present. Well, they said they've gone to court to <coughs> get a stay of execution mm. for the thing you just read, mm. so we are not really sure when they'll end the demonstration, <laughs> but it will happen today, so we'll keep an eye on that protest. Let's come to the final. Now, let's go to TUC. Mm. They are asking the government to give them 20% cola. Now, the story on page two of the final says the Trades Union Congress has appealed to the president, Nana Dudanko Kufuado, to exercise his executive powers to grant a 20% cost of living allowance, COLA, mm. to all public servants and retirees. It also said the request by the utility service providers in the country for increment in prices of electricity and water mm-hmm. will compound the current hardship that Ghanaians are going through. Mm-hmm. In a letter copied to the Minister of Finance and Economic Planning, Ken Oferiata, as well as the Minister of Employment and Labor Relations, um, Ignatius Bafuwa, the TUC reminded the President of their appeal for COLA during the 2022 May Day celebrations. All right. Um, well, let's speak about the e-levy for a bit now. It, I'm staying with the Daily Guide on this one. A leading member of the New Patriotic Party, Gabi Asario Chidako, has given indications that the government might consider going to the International Monetary Fund, or IMF, mm. to revitalize the economy. Mm. The move is also to boost investors' confidence as a result of the controversial electronic transfer levy, or e-levy, mm-hmm. which is not delivering as expected. According to Mr. Chidako, the e-levy is not churning out the amount of money government expected. He said the e-levy is delivering only 10% of the amount of money the government envisaged it could generate. He has therefore called on government to, as a matter of urgency, take some measures that will help boost investors' confidence to save the ailing economy. In a series of tweets on Monday, he said, Mm. after five months of stalemate and bashing, the e-levy, after implementation, is delivering only 10% of estimated revenues. Our revenues remain very low as compared to the rest of the world. Debt levels dangerously high. Mm. City, like most currencies, struggle against the U.S. dollar. Though he said he was not against an IMF program which gives the country peanuts, it imposes conditions that hurt the poor, jobs, and businesses. He said, am I against an IMF program in principle? No. Meanwhile, Atu Fossen, who's the ranking member on the finance committee, I believe, says the E-Levy is not the Akubam they promise. It has failed. This is a ranking member of Parliament Finance Committee. This is my journal. According to him, the failure of the tax policy to produce even half of what it pro- projected to generate within the month shows the extent of failure. He is urging government to immediately subscribe to an IMF program before Ghana's already has condition becomes dire. He was speaking on PM Express. He also went on to say something. He says that um, let, let go of empty pride. Seek support from IMF. So same program. Dr. Atufosin says um, the country's economy is headed in the direction of Sri Lanka, and if action is not taken now, we may be going to the IMF in an ambulance. <laughs> so he says, you better walk there. <laughs> Charlie, this politician said, don't go in an ambulance. Walk there while you can still breathe. According to him, uh, Sri Lanka's prime minister, debt leading economy completely collapsed after months of shortage of food, fuel, and electricity, and one of even that situation to come. And he urged the government to take the decision to go to IMF immediately or die trying. <laughs> 
Oh Lord, from Akubam to ambulance. Very interesting indeed. Well, let's go to the economy. Subsidies, the city summit, uh-huh. what to do, mm-hmm. and related matters. Yeah. Poorly targeted subsidies amid crisis prolong effects of inflation. Uh-huh. This is Jeff Gable. I mm-hmm. hope I got the name right. You got it right. Yes, the head of FICC Research and chief economist at AFSA, Jeff Gable, has said the consistent introduction of subsidies and global amid global economic challenges will only prolong the effects of inflation. Mm-hmm. Rather, he's urging African governments to focus on slowing down demand for products rather than subsidizing the cost. Mm-hmm. According to him, the drive to subsidize the cost of products in developing economies is forcing governments to use funds reserved for social and economic development to subsidize the prices of goods. He said, despite the above, some subsidies remain necessary as part of the strategies to address inflation challenges. Hence, there must be a national conversation on which subsidies should be removed. You are speaking at the CD Summit, which was organized by ESA City TV and APSA Bank mm. as part of the City Business Festival. Now, he also cautioned that there is still uncertainty at the global level about inflation slowing down. He noted that economists are moving the inflation forecast up and up rapidly mm. and that they remain uncertain whether any of these things will get better. Meanwhile, now, David Ofosu-Dorte yes, has been speaking. I was going to go okay, on to um, David Ofosu-Dorte mm-hmm. before I come to Prof. Peter Cote. Okay. Now, David Ofosu-Dorte, who is a senior partner at ABN David, is convinced the continent can come out of this bad situation if, uh, if it is more open to new ideas and strategies. All right. Citing instances to support his claim, Ofosu-Dorte posited that African countries with the fastest growing economies have been compelled to resort to international monetary fund to the international monetary fund for assistance after some years due to a lack of innovation mm-hmm. and that we should be more innovative in managing our economies. Prof. Peter Cote says that manufacturing is a necessary tool mm-hmm. for the mitigation of the global shocks, hence they need to provide the needed support to the sector. Finally, Kweku Kwating is saying that government will withdraw e-levy if it's found not to be helpful. So that's in relation to what you just read. Chairman of Finance Committee in Parliament, Kweku Kwating, says... Should the government assess that the E-Levy is not helpful, it will be withdrawn. His comments come on the back of a tweet by Gabriotri Dakun. He disclosed that the electronic transfer levy has generated less than 60 million cities close to two months of its implementation and hinted at government possibly seeking support from the IMF. Let's go to graphic business. Middlemen are not the cause of high food prices. This is the, Ghana, uh, the General Agricultural Workers Union speaking. Mm. Now, the General um, Secretary of the Union, Edward Carraway, has said that claims by head of the National Food Buffer Stock Company that the activities of middlemen in the agri-sector have created artificial shortage of foodstuffs in the country are false. Mm. He maintains that middlemen cannot be blamed for the current situation where food prices are at an all-time high. He says this is not new anyway. The activities of middlemen are at the core of trade, but for them, there will not be trade at all. Mm. The question we have to ask is, if they've been operating all these years, why is it that they were not influencing prices the way it is now and why today? Mm. So it means it's not an issue of blaming somebody for what we failed to do. Mm-hmm. Now, this was in reaction to claims that current food shortages and high prices were the doing of middlemen. He said the middlemen are business people who operate based on demand and supply. He said NAFCO is also a middleman because the middleman here is not only about the natural human being, but even companies are also in the middleman business. And he went on and on. Let's, let's do some sanitation stories. There was a story on graphic or uh, the other parts there. And yes. DNA is talking about filth and golfing circle and new plant station. Mm. That's the story. So let's just give you some quick quick highlights of that. Okay, so page 24 of the Daily Graphic. Mm. The fight against Galamsey not abandoned. This is coming from Water and Sanitation Resources Minister Cecilia Abinadapa. She has stated that the government has not relented in its fight against illegal mining, popularly Mm. known as Galamsey, that increases the turbidity and colorization of water bodies in the country. She observed that illegal mining affected about 
about 22% of the country's surface water resources with mm. contaminants and pollutants, such as mercury, among others, which should not be countenanced. She said the war on Galamsey was a national one, and it should be won to ensure that water bodies are protected to serve as a source of good drinking water in the country. Now, she was on the floor of Parliament last Tuesday, responding to a question by the NPP MP for Ablikuma North, Sheila Bartels. Miss mm. Bartels wanted to find out from the minister the extent to which illegal mining was contributing to the deterioration of water bodies in the country. Mm-hmm. So responding to the question, Mrs. Dapa said that turbidity was a measure of the degree to which the water loses its transparency. So essentially, the water looks brown, how brown mm. the water is, okay? She said the acceptable turbidity value for drinking water, and the, it's called so nephelometric turbidity what, what unit. What are they doing? We that don't, is the we thing. don't need all this English about eh? what turbidity is. What well, she says they're still, Galapagos fight is not over. Well, she has more work to do. Sanitation, filters and golf circles, new plant station, persistent delays in collection and disposal of rubbish generated at the circle new plant station in Accra has become a source of worry to drivers, traders, shoppers and travelers. Waste generated within the bus uh, terminal is left unattended to for days and serves as breeding ground for mosquitoes and flies. GNA went to the station on Monday, found heaps of garbage in front of the terminal. Now, this is important because last week, there was almost a shortage of buses. A lot of people wanted to travel. It seems as if a lot of people are now traveling by public transport mm-hmm. and there weren't enough buses. So there were large queues of people sitting at the OAS VIP stations waiting for buses. Now the bus terminals are also not clean. Meanwhile, we are paying a, a sanitation levy in the fuel price build-up. I just wanted to hit on that because mm-hmm. she was also responding to another question mm-hmm. by the Minsha North um, MP, Akwisi Konedu, as to how much her ministry has received mm-hmm. from this sanitation and pollution levy and how the funds were being utilized to tackle sanitation issues in the country. Now, she said the Ministry of Finance is responsible for the receipt of the levy and her ministry have not been notified of the total amount accrued and the modalities for disbursement. You know what's funny? In that same parliament a few days before, somebody had asked the finance minister about some money that had been accrued and then the majority that said well that is to do the specific sector minister so let's go to the road minister now the minister of sanitation energy energy yes Yes. some some allocation in the same price build up so uh, this doesn't make sense so on one hand when they ask the minister of finance they say well go to energy now the sanitation level is supposed to go for the sanitation ministry they say go to minister of finance (laughs) i don't get it Anyway, the Greater Accra Minister says that uh, people encroaching on lands in Adentan and the Ramsar sites in Nungwa should advise themselves hmm. because he's coming for them. Uh, he quoted Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. There's a time for everything. Yes, mm. he says their time is up. Mm. He's also advised um, um, landlords who are on the remaining 900 acres of the CSR lands at Adentan for Fraha mm-hmm. to regularize their uh, documents. And he's saying that all staff of the RECSEC who are involved in selling unauthorized pieces of land will also be investigated by the CID. There's, there's a very important caution here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Benjamin Kisisasu is telling us that to avoid monkeypox, mm-hmm. we should adhere to the COVID-19 safety protocols. So mm. we should be, we, 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 we should, we should do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about our water bodies, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. on the back page of the daily graphic, the EPA moves to avert danger on Volta Lake. Mm-hmm. So there are fears of an environmental disaster mm-hmm. at Tongo Gemini mm. in the Volta region Gemini. as traders dealing in pesticides hmm. have moved their wares to the banks of the Volta Lake to attract customers. Oh, Lord. The traders have further resorted to 
entering the water to meet passengers arriving on boats to sell the pesticides and other products to them. Now, the Environmental Protection Agency has raised red flags about the practice and warned the traders and stallkeepers to stop it immediately or face the law. Now, the Rota Regional Director of EPA, Hope Smith-Lomote, sounded the caution last Thursday. He led a team of officials of the agency to the market to observe the practice firsthand. During a meeting with the traders, he reiterated the dangers associated with the practice and said that agrochemicals are hazardous to aquatic life and, for that matter, human life as well. This is dangerous and unlawful and cannot be encouraged. That's what is being done in the Galamsey space. Um, mm. I think last week, a national land reclamation uh, project was launched. Mm. Um, and they are supposed to reclaim destroyed Galamsey lands. What is important is to ask what the plan is, what the budgets are, what the expectations are, what the timelines are. It's, it's important because mm. when it comes to some of these things, it becomes an avenue for wasting money mm. and not getting any results. Meanwhile, the world's most aggressive central bank has raised their interest rate to 200%. Guess which country it is? Zimbabwe. They are trying to fight inflation. So your interest rate is around 2019. They are 200%. Say inflation, it has tear chain. If you take one dollar for this, how much should you know? This is the biggest conversation. The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the noise. Seven o'clock, City Business News coming up shortly. It's brought to you by MTN. Don't forget that all SIM cards in Ghana must be registered again with only the Ghana card by 31st of July. This is to. It is applicable to all your data sims, your modems, your turbonets, your routers, etc. Failure to register your sims will mean that you will not be able to use your internet after 31st July 2022. To register your sim, please visit our website and fill out your details. News is also brought to us by Enterprise Life and Goyle. Says joining us with the bulletin. Good morning. Good morning, Bernard, and good morning to you out there. Welcome to the breakfast edition of City Business News, probably brought to you by MTN, Goyle, and Enterprise Live, your advantage, and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. Coming up, leadership of the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta, calls on the sector ministry to address the increasing level of activity of foreigners in the retail space. Also, economics professor, Professor Peter Quarty, calls for immediate action against the illegal trade in foreign exchange in different parts of the country. Bringing the details now. Leadership of the Ghana Union of Traders Association are demanding an urgent meeting with the sector minister to bring an amicable end to what they say is the increasing level of retailing by foreigners, which contradicts the Ghana Investment Promotion Centre's Act, Act 865. On Friday, June 24, 2022, some members of the association stormed the national office of Guta, chased out members and locked up the officers as they lamented the impact of foreigners illegally being involved in retail trade in the country. Now, Speaking to City News, the leadership said they are racing against time to meet the one-week ultimatum given by their aggrieved members to resolve their issues. There's more in the following report. What was meant to be a peaceful meeting among leadership of Guta ended in a violent scene. 
Some members invaded the officers, citing the unseasoned involvement of foreigners in the retail business, which they say is having a toll on their trading activities. The members gave an ultimatum to their leadership to bring an end to the problem. But in an interview with City Business News, the leadership called for a meeting with the Minister of Trade and Industry to intervene in the matter. Their concerns was that uh, the issue with the foreigners in retail trade. Uh, as we are all aware, this is not a new thing. We've been battling with this issue for quite a very long time. Our members, sector members, were quite uh, angry because they felt that even those that had some of their shop closed some time back last year had reopened them, some forcibly. You see, so, and these foreigners were laughing at them that, ah, look, we told you that your laws will not work. Here we have we've opened our shops. You guys can't do anything. And that angered them. The issue with their foreigners in retail trade. We want an emergency meeting with the minister himself as soon as possible so that we look at the way forward. Because within, after a week, we should have something positive to tell our members. He also called on the appropriate authorities to enforce the law that prevents foreigners from engaging in retail businesses in Ghana without the requisite documents. Incumbent upon them to do what is right and to ensure that those that are not having the requisite documentations are moved out because that is what the law says. Leadership of the Ghana Union of Traders Association. Then our economics professor and director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ESA, Professor Peter Quarte, has bemoaned the seeming lack of action against persons engaged in the illegal trade of foreign exchange, especially the U.S. dollar, in different parts of the country. Now, according to him, the informal foreign exchange market is contributing to the volatility in the space. The following report has more. A Bank of Ghana notice dated April 5, 2022, reminded the public that in accordance with the Foreign Exchange Act 2006, Act 723, companies, institutions and individuals are prohibited from, among other things, engaging in foreign exchange business without a license issued by the Bank of Ghana. According to the Central Bank, such violations are punishable on summary conviction by a fine of up to 700 penalty units or a term of imprisonment of not more than 18 months or both. The Central Bank thus cautioned the general public to desist from dealing in illegal forex activities, that is, black market transactions, pricing, advertising, recipting or making payment for goods and services in foreign currency in Ghana without the requisite license or authorization from the Central Bank. But speaking on the matter, the director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, Professor Peter Quarte, bemoaned the ease with which persons engage in the illegal trade or foreign exchange in the open and urged the Bank of Ghana to take action against the informal foreign exchange market as a whole. It's only in Ghana or maybe a few African countries where you can walk to any corner and change, uh, get foreign exchange without any identification. I go to Kenya, I go to Senegal. I, you cannot just do that. You need to show a passport or, an, or a national ID. But in our case, it is free for all. People flying or driving from neighboring countries come and change a dollar and move out with it. These days, they even operate on Okada. Once you have the number, you call, they, they come and come and supply for English. I, I, I don't think that is the way to go. I think the informal foreign exchange market it's also driving 
the volatility we are seeing in the market. It is about time Bank of Ghana enforces its regulations on this sector. And I believe that would also help. Thank you very much. Director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, Professor Peter Quarte, ending that report. Now, the Managing Director of GCB Bank, POC, Kofi Adumako, has stated that his outfit is expanding its small and medium-sized enterprises portfolio by partnering with the new development bank, Ghana, to deliver financial support to the sector. According to him, though his outfit has over the years delivered extensive support to SMEs, they are poised to do more to tap into the opportunities that exist within the industry and ensure the SME sector contributes more to the growth of the economy. In an interview with City Business News, Mr. Adumako noted that partnering with the DBG will ensure his outfit also offers tailor-made products to its customers. Apologies, we'll bring you that insert in our subsequent bulletins. Now, the much-anticipated CD Summit came off on a Monday at 9 a.m. at the Alisa Hotel in Accra with a host of speakers who took turns to speak on the topic the effect of the global economic conditions on sub-Saharan African countries. Now, the one-day economic summit, which was organized by City TV in partnership with the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ESA, and APSA Bank Ghana, forms part of the month-long 2022 City Business Festival. This report by Michael Oburu has highlights of the event. For the summit is crucial as African countries continue to suffer from the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and more recently the Russia-Ukraine war. These two events have had a devastating impact on the economies of countries on the continent. In Ghana, for instance, this has led to inflation hitting a record high coupled with concerns about food security as inputs for some staple foods are sourced from Russia and Ukraine. Speaking at City TV and ESA's City Summit, Chief Economist at APSA Bank, Jeff Gable, stressed that for African governments to actively tackle the issue of inflation, there must be a critical review of subsidies. Prices are high because the demand for the product is very substantial and the supply is more limited. One of the ways you bring prices down is by demanding less of it. How do you demand less of it? Well, at some point you say, you know what? This weekend, kids, we're staying at home. <laughs> we're not driving to the countryside. If you subsidize fuel, you jump in the car, you have a moan, but away you go. Taking his turn at the event, the director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ISE, at the University of Ghana, Professor Peter Kwote, shared some policy measures he believed could help manage the economic challenges in the country. There are some options, policy options, that I, I propose. That is fiscal consolidation, aggressively mobilizing re uh, revenue through tax and non-tax measures. David Ofosudote, senior partner at ABN David Lawfem, stressed the need to leverage crisis to improve the fortunes of the continent. Now, crisis comes in several forms. So let's look at the recent one we had, like COVID-19. The point about getting out of crisis is very simple. First, maintain the status quo. Just make sure you don't get worse off. Second, do everything to prevent deterioration. And I want us to measure, every African country to measure with their own yastic, whether this is what we did. This is my yastic, I may be wrong, but at least I do have a yastic. Three, plan for recovery. And last but not the least, take advantage of a new opening. Every crisis, no matter what, creates an opportunity. 
a Chinese have a say into that. So we have to look at what opportunities have we taken out of the crisis. That was David Ofosudota, senior partner at ABN David Africa, ending that report by Michael Obudu. And let's now join Gideon Amunichi of Databank for the latest update on the bonds market. Uh, apologies for that technical hitch. Uh, that does it for the breakfast edition of City Business News, proudly brought to you by MTN, Goyle and Enterprise Live, your advantage, and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Bobby Osei. Do have a good business day. This is the City Breakfast Show, the city's biggest conversation. So it's 14 minutes past 7. That was the City Business News. Coming up next is our Sport Bulletin. Brought to you by Lesheho. If you're a government worker or a private salary worker, ready to go big with your passion, we have big news for you. Take a new loan between the month of May and August and receive a cashback reward. Apply for our competitive payroll loans now and get rewarded big. Visit appforms.lesheho.com. Or reach us on 0577-699-923. Let's go big together. Let's share who? Let's improve life. Benjamin Inkit here, joining us with the news. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Bernard. Let's get into the headlines. And Black Stars midfielder Daniel Kofitre joins Bundesliga side SC Freiburg. Former Chelsea goalkeeper Peter Cech leaves his role as Chelsea technical and performance advisor as Todd Bowley continues to make changes. And in the NBA, all-star John Wall reaches buyout agreements with the Houston Rockets. Start off with some athletics and Ghanaian long jumper Abraham Shoneke has booked his ticket to the World Athletics Championship with a new personal best uh, jump of 8.22 meters at the ECC Club Outdoor Competition in the United States. Shoneke's feat has also booked him a ticket to the Commonwealth Games, which are set to take place in Birmingham in the United Kingdom three days after the World Championships end on July 24 in Oregon. Now, the 26-year-old former student of the University of Ghana and West Texas. Texas A&M University made the mark on his second attempt at the competition. The 8.22 meters is also second in the all-time Ghana long jump records, only behind Ignatius Geza's national um, record jump of 8.43 meters, which was achieved in 2006. Now, it brings to four the number of individual Ghanaian athletes who have booked tickets to the World Championships, joining sprinters Benjamin Azamati and Joseph Paul Amwa, as well as female long jumper 
Deborah Aqua. So that's what's going on. Let's get to some uh, football news. And Hearts of Oak head coach Samuel Boydu has described a just-ended season as disappointing for his side despite retaining the MTN FA Cup trophy. The Phobians beat Bechem United by two goals to one over the weekend at the Babayara Stadium to win the title for a second successive season. Boydu is, however, confident that things will shape up for the team with time. You could say House of Oak is a big club. Going trophyless is a problem for me as a head coach. But we thank God that we have won this, this trophy for House of Oak family. No, no, not really. As, 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 as a coach, I'm a failure because I, I'm not part of the top four. So I'm really, really disappointed and supported. But this is, the, this is how football is. So they should keep supporting the team. And I know that with time, you know, things will change. Accra Hartford head coach Samuel Boedu speaking there to some transfer-related news and Black Stars midfielder Daniel Kofitre has completed the transfer to Bundesliga side SC Freiburg for a fee of 4.5 million euros. Now, details of the agreement uh, in uh, total remain uh, undisclosed. We don't know how long he's signing for and how much he will be making, but we know that there are performance-based um, add-ons to that particular transfer fee. Now, Tre joined the German Bundesliga uh, side from St. Pauli, uh, where he scored 12 goals with 9 assists last season. He will compete with his new team in next season's Europa League. So we wish Daniel Kofitre all the best in his next adventure. Uh, more transfer-related news and Black Stars defender Gideon Mensah has hinted of a return to the French Ligue 1 following the end of his loan spell at Girodin Bordeaux. Now, the 23-year-old has spent the past two seasons on loan at Vittoria Guimaraes and Bordeaux respectively and will return to his parent club RB Salzburg for pre-season. Mensah says he's not sure of his next move but is keeping his options open. Actually, I have to go back to my mother club which is Red Bull in Salzburg uh, in Austria uh, but we're still looking at some op- options so I'm not so sure where I'm going now but obviously I'm moving, moving train so anywhere that I can stop I'll stop. I mean I'm, I, I could still look at France though and uh, I mean, like you said, I mean, the first, uh, the top five leagues, so yeah. if France is still in there, then I mean, any option that comes from France and if it's okay for me and for, for my future, I mean, why not? Yeah. Black Stars and RB Salzburg defender Gideon Mensah speaking there. Uh, to some other news and former uh, goalkeeper Peter Cech will leave his role as technical and performance advisor at Chelsea on the 30th of June. Now the 40-year-old is the latest to leave the club following the Todd Bowley uh, takeover after the departures of chairman uh, Bruce Buck and director Marina Granovskaya. He was appointed three years ago to provide advice and guidance on all football and performance matters at Chelsea, having played 333 times for the club. Now, Czech said, and I quote, It has been a huge privilege to perform this role at Chelsea for the past three years. With the club under new ownership, I feel now is the right time for me to step aside. End quote. Transfer news and Manchester City are expecting to field an opening offer from Chelsea for Raheem Sterling after Thomas Tuchel engaged the England international over how he would fit in at Stamford Bridge. Now the forward heads a short list of the manager's attacking targets and enters the final year of his contract with the Premier League champions who are grateful for his service and will not obstruct his desire for greater minutes and status elsewhere. Now Sterling would offer the German a guarantee threat. He has directly contributed a 
combined 165 goals in the division in 320 appearances for Liverpool and City, as well as tactical flexibility and experience. And the 27-year-old believes he is in the decisive phase of his career and wants to make a significant contribution on and off the pitch. So we could see Raheem Sterling uh, in Chelsea colours very soon. More transfer news and Tottenham uh, targeting a package deal for uh, Everton's Richarlison and Anthony Gordon. Now, however, Chelsea are also considering rivaling spares for Richarlison who they see as a potential replacement for Inter Milan-bound Romelu Lukaku and is one of several options the club is looking at to improve their front line. Now, Tottenham as a club also want to sign young English talent to develop and see left-winger Gordon as a talented player for the future. Now, Everton are anticipating a bid from Spurs for both players which could be made this week but the Toffees have zero interest in entertaining a double uh, bid. So, a lot happening on the transfer front and this time to the camp of West Ham. Uh, they have made um, departed Man United midfielder Jesse Lingard an offer to return to the London Stadium. The 29-year-old became uh, officially becomes a free agent on the 1st of July when his contract expires at Old Trafford. Now, Lingard had a successful uh, time on loan with the Hammers at the end of the 2020-2021 season and scored nine goals in 16 Premier League starts. But he was denied another loan spell in January as United refused to uh, deal him uh, with a rival uh, for a European place in sight. So, United didn't let Lingard go. They had their sights on uh, some uh, Champions League football. It didn't play out, so hopefully he will get his chance to move. Let's do some basketball and after agreeing to a buyout with the Houston Rockets. Point guard John Wall plans to sign a free agent deal with the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, Wall, who was due $47.4 million from the Rockets after exercising the player option for the final year of his contract, agreed to take a $6.5 million uh, cut to become a free agent. Now, that is roughly the amount of the taxpayer mid-level exception which uh, Wall could receive once he is able to negotiate a deal with the Clippers. Now, the Rockets wanted to reach an agreement with Wall before free agency began on Thursday to maximize his options in selecting his next team. So John Wall is on the move. And finally, let's do some tennis. Seven-time champion Serena Williams makes her singles comeback at Wimbledon today as Rafael Nadal also continues his pursuit of a calendar Grand Slam. Now, American Williams, who is 40 years old, plays uh, Frances Harmony Tan on center court 12 months on from tearing her hamstring in her first round match at um SW19. So that's what's going on. Serena Williams is back and also Rafael Nadal is back as well. That's all for this morning's edition of Kickoff. My name is Benjamin Nketiah. Kickoff was brought to us by Lesejo. There's more sports at citysportsonline.com Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag CityCBS. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. Unleashing the power of relevant radio. This is City 97.3.
The City Breakfast Show. Rise above the City Breakfast Show on uh, Tuesday. Running a business can be simple and stress-free with access to all your data everywhere you go. That if you're using Kadeba ERP. It allows you to monitor your inventory or your inventory. Helps you review profit margins. Helps you regulate expenses and many more. Especially in tough times like these. It also equipped with relevant reports on all your business activities. Helping you promote your ways to a larger market. Go to kadeba.com where we are exposing your products and offerings to new markets and customers as we assist you in managing your inventory, your sales, your finance, and more. Call 0556-541-525 or sign up today on kadeba.com. Kadeba Go Mobile. This year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of Nissan's largest or longest-running nameplate, the all-conquering Nissan Patrol. Now, the Nissan Patrol has remained one of the world's most loved and respected SUVs, having earned its reputation in the scorching heat of deserts, rugged mountain slopes, and modern city streets. To celebrate our milestone, Japan Motors is offering amazing freebies on every Nissan Patrol you buy. Get a free 12-month service plan, fuel vouchers, MacBook Air, or iPhone 13 Pro. While cruising in the best SUV ever. Call 0244-338-393 or visit our showrooms nationwide for test drive. This promo is valid till mid-August. Japan Motors driven by excellence. Terms and conditions apply. And Shell salutes the kings of the road, taxi, trot, trot, truck drivers, bus drivers. We see you rise early. We see you go to work late. We see you put food on the table. And because of this, we're giving you shelf fuel safe, designed to last longer and make your hustle more rewarding. Build points is your shell club points for free family and third party insurance cover, as well as for groceries and other basic and future needs. 
Visit your nearest Shell station today. Join the Shell Club and enjoy the fuel that takes care of the car so you can make more to take care of yourself. Go well. And if convenience is what you're looking for in an insurance company, then Star Assurance has it with Pukua, a virtual assistant. From the convenience of your home office, beach market, or anywhere in the world, you can reach Pokora. She responds quickly and effectively to your specific needs. She's here to cater for you and make your life more easy. Use the short code STAR713 STARTS222 HASH or call 0242-436140. That's 0242-436160. A few happy birthdays to a few people, Evelyn Amenohu of Commercial Banking Department, ADB. A glorious 40th birthday, your dependable sister and a friend coming in from Emmy. Happy anniversary to Jerry and Dorothy Boasidankwa. 14 years of God's goodness is priceless. May the Lord finish what is begun with you. From uh, Mrs. Dorothy Boasidankwa and the children, Jessica, Jerry, Jr. and Joel. And to uh, my permanent roommate, Councilor General, Controller General, Prayer General, and Chief of Staff, Rosemont Freeman Tete. Their children and I are perpetually indebted to you. May the Lord grant you your heart's desires on this special day. You are such a great and wonderful wife and mother. From your dear husband, Freeman Tete, a.k.a. Bosnia. <laughs> Bosnia? Bosnia. That's, that's the man's name. Wow. <laughs> anyway, I'd like to say a belated happy birthday to Mamie, uh, Mamie Kuhn's lady, Akidi Tricks. Uh, that's coming from her husband, Edwin, the children, myself, Gina, and the entire family. Uh, have a blessed year, Mamie Kuhn. And this one is saying, I've survived many days and nights. I thought I couldn't because of you. I can say you are the bravest, most beautiful man I've met. Happy birthday to my soulmate, Mrs. Rita Aku Agbenu Chermating. May God keep watching over you throughout the days of your life. I really love you from your husband, Kofi Tremanting, a.k.a. Kofigo, coming to his wife, Mrs. Rita Akuagbenu. I have a long list. Um, today is the birthday of Divine Buenati Pupulampu, mm-hmm. my, my brother from another mother. Divine, happy birthday to you from from myself, from the family, from Edna, from everybody, from Tozi, Gabi, all of us to you. Happy birthday. Also going out to Mame Akosia Kese from Kwame Agoji and a kiss to you and from myself as well. Happy birthday. Also to Rosie Finn. Today is your birthday, Rosie. Rosie, 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 Rosie. Happy birthday to you. And she's now the head of the Mastercard yes, Foundation. Yes. And uh, finally, from Rosie. Good morning. Yes, you are a good woman. Keep doing the very, work. Very, very good one. Solid, solid. And solid. finally, from me to Emily, can you know today's her birthday as well? All right. uh, happy birthday to you, Emily. Oh, happy birthday from everybody here. And a very, very happy birthday to a fantastic musician. His name is James Atu Scott Benin, also known as Red Cap. He's the one who produced the album I did with um, Kim Masakela years, years ago. He's 75 today. Bernard, happy birthday, Ankara too. We love you. You're an amazing guy. And enjoy this diamond age. Let me send birthday wishes to Gifty Kayla Moshi, long-time journalist doing magic work in Bulga. 
Uh, have a fantastic day. We haven't forgotten about you. Uh, and then also my good friend, Anakwati, a football agent, doing all the free transfers, Sally, but he's playing his role in Ghana football. Happy birthday. Nice one. Lovely people born in June. Enjoy the day. So what I want to do this morning on your on your way to work is I want you to listen to a speech and then um, I, I won't tell you who it is and I won't tell you where he was speaking but just listen to it and then if it makes sense we'll discuss it. Sometimes you just need to listen. So this is something I, somebody so on, on Thursday I spoke about um, meritocracy, practical approach and um, uh, honesty. And this is a speech somebody gave in his parliament to some of his MPs about what they should do and what they should not do in running a country. So just let's listen to some highlights of the speech. Mr. Speaker, sir, according to the order paper, we are debating what actions parliament should take, having received the report of the Committee of Privileges. But as the leader of the House told us just now, the broader issue before us is how democracy should work in Singapore. What are the institutions, the norms, the values that are essential for our democratic system to function properly? How do we apply these general principles to specific cases like the one before us now so as to protect these institutions, norms and values? And how can we secure our democracy for the future so that it can long deliver happiness, prosperity, and progress for our nation? These are the three more fundamental questions that I wish to discuss today. The quality of a country's democracy hinges on its people's values, what they judge to be right or wrong, what they deem important, the causes they espouse, the ideals they embrace. Whichever example you look at, at whatever point in history, you will find that good and functioning democracies have clear, strong norms. And these norms are upheld both by the governed and those who govern them, or those who aspire to govern them one day. And that is how healthy democratic systems can elect good, incorruptible people with the right values and drive a virtuous cycle where good democracy begets good governance and good governance begets good politics. This cycle must be underpinned and sustained by strong institutions. 
Parliament sits at the apex of our system of democracy. It's where the most important matters of state are discussed, laws are enacted, supplies of money are voted, with the government setting the direction and proposing policies while answering to the public through Parliament, and the opposition holding the government to account while also being a government in waiting should the ruling party lose the support of the people. To fulfill its vital role, Parliament must be respected and its members' processes and proceedings must be trusted. Clear norms and incorruptible values are essential to protect the dignity and standing of Parliament. The system cannot work if the standing of Parliament is called into question. And this is why we need to set the right norms of conduct among parliamentarians and guard them carefully. Tell the truth always and do the right thing by Singapore, even when it is hard or awkward. In fact, especially when it's hard or awkward. And if something goes wrong or something wrong has been done, own up and take responsibility. Do not hide, dodge or spin further lies to obfuscate and cover up the original fib. The right norms can only be upheld by people with the right values because norms are not merely social conventions that people comply with for appearance's sake. They have to be expressions of internal values that people believe in and hold dear. MPs must be people with integrity at their core who speak and act in an upright manner, always putting duty before self and country before party. And our highest duty, our ultimate loyalty, is not to our party, but to Singapore. That is why, when taking office, MPs swear to bear truth, faith and allegiance to the Republic of Singapore. In fact, this applies to everyone engaged in Singapore politics, MP or not. As Workers' Party cadre Ms. Lu Peying, who was Mr. Pritam Singh's former assistant, told the committee, it pains me greatly, but to me, beyond anything else, it's important to be truthful to my country. I believe every member of this House will agree with her. Our democratic system also depends on the people of Singapore, voters endorsing, insisting on and backing the same norms and values so that they can discern for themselves, as Ms. Lowe did, when something is wrong and hold accountable those in power or aspiring to power when their actions fall short of these high standards. That is how a democracy can function properly. Inculcating voters and their leaders with the right values is the work of decades. It takes unremitting effort and passion, and it doesn't always succeed. Most countries are founded and start off on the basis of high ideals and noble values. But more often than not, beyond the founding leaders and the pioneer generation, 
Over decades and generations, gradually things change. Things start off with passionate intensity. The leaders who fought for and won independence are often exceptional individuals of great courage, immense culture, and outstanding ability. They came through the crucible of fire and emerged as leaders of men and nations. They are the David Ben-Gurions, the Jawaharlal Nehrus, and we have our own too. Imbued with enormous personal prestige, they strive to meet the high expectations of their peoples to build a brave new world and shape a new future for their peoples and for their countries. But beyond that initial fervor, succeeding generations often find it hard to sustain this momentum and drive. They start out as healthy democracies with idealism and zeal, but over time, the tone of the society changes. All too easily, a slip here, a blind eye there, a fudge, a trim, and gradually, things go downhill. The texture of politics changes. Respect for politicians declines. After a while, the electorate comes to think, this is the norm and you cannot expect better. And so, standards get debased, trust is eroded, and the country declines further. Many political systems today would be quite unrecognizable to their founding leaders. Ben-Gurion's Israel has morphed into one which can barely form a government, despite four general elections in two years. Meanwhile, a stream of senior politicians and officials in Israel face a litany of criminal charges. Some have gone to jail. While Nehru's India has become one where, according to media reports, almost half the MPs in the Lok Sabha have criminal charges pending against them, including charges of rape and murder. Though it is also said that many of these allegations are politically motivated. What is to prevent Singapore from going down the same road? Nothing. We are not intrinsically smarter or more virtuous than other countries. Modern Singapore does not come born with a fail-safe mechanism. Our founding fathers did their best to build strong foundations and institutions. Even after the Barisan Socialists, which was then the main opposition party, decided to vacate its seats in Parliament in 1966 and left the field entirely to the PAP, our founding fathers maintained our parliamentary democracy and multi-party system. As Mr. Lee Kuan Yew once explained, at that time, with the PAP completely dominant, he could have changed the constitution and made this a one-party state. But he deliberately chose not to, because he knew that without the need to contest and win elections, the governing party would, over time, become complacent and flabby, and that would be disastrous for Singapore. So the Founding Fathers took the more robust way. They kept politics contestable, they built up institutions. Parliament 
the judiciary, the civil service, the police and armed forces, and later the elected president and the Council of Presidential Advisers. To enable Singapore to operate on a more resilient basis, not dependent on a few key people pulling all the levers, pushing all the buttons, making everything work. Still, to operate these institutions, you need good people, and they needed to recruit, train, and deploy ministers, MPs, judges, civil servants, experts in many fields, people of ability and commitment, with a sense of public service, and above all with honesty and integrity, whom Singaporeans could rely upon to do their duty, put Singapore first, and make this country succeed. And that is how the system we have today came to be. It is incumbent on all of us, each succeeding generation, to protect and build upon this system that we have inherited. And this requires us to uphold integrity, enforce rules and standards, apply the same rules equally to everyone, make sure nobody is above the law. If we can do that consistently, persistently, unflinchingly, then we have a shot at making things work. People can trust our leaders, our systems, and our institutions. Our democracy can mature, deepen, and grow more resilient as both the governed and the governing embrace and express the right norms and values. Singapore can continue to flourish. But if we allow ourselves to slacken, loosen standards here just a bit, overlook a lie there just this time, the virtuous cycle will stutter and start to fail. What is the key factor that keeps this virtuous cycle going, keeps Singapore on the up and not on the down? It is trust. On his 100th birthday, Mr. George Schultz, the former U.S. Secretary of State, reflected on this. This was two, a year and a bit ago, December 2020. He wrote an op-ed upon reaching 100 years old. And he said it was one of the most important lessons in his long life, that trust is the coin of the realm. When trust was in the room, he wrote, good things happened. When trust was not in the room, good things did not happen. Everything else is details. We saw how this worked in the COVID pandemic. Trust was a key factor why some countries did better than others. I've been saying this for two years, but recently there was a study published in The Lancet, a British medical journal, which confirmed this, studied multiple countries and found that countries with high levels of trust and together with that low corruption saw lower infection rates and higher vaccine coverage. Because the people's trust in government and their trust in each other made much more difference to the outcome even than the resources spent on health care and, and even whether they had a universal health care system or not. What mattered most 
was, did they trust each other? Did they trust their leaders? Singapore is fortunate to be one of these high-trust societies. We have tried to build upon it during the pandemic, but it is something that we have today because we have nurtured it for decades and built it up patiently, assiduously, step by step, never allowing it to be eroded, and therefore having this with us when we go into battle, an enormous asset. The opposite happened in other countries, for example, in the U.S. and U.K. In the U.S., trust in the political system has all but broken down. Three-quarters of Republican voters have been made to believe that the last presidential election in 2020 was stolen, that Mr. Biden is not a legitimate president, and Mr. Trump should be the president today. Now, how do you uphold a system when a large segment of the population is convinced that the elected government is illegitimate? Every issue is politicized, government becomes gridlocked, the country suffers. And that's a key reason why many Americans refuse to be vaccinated or to wear masks, why they revolt against measures to keep themselves safe, and why they have suffered so many COVID-19 deaths. Or look at the ongoing uproar in Britain about the Partygate scandal in Westminster the mother of parliaments, no less. The scandal has been attributed to failures of leadership and judgment in an official government report. By ignoring its own rules, the current UK government has caused a severe breakdown of trust and lost credibility in its COVID-19 controls. Singapore may be a high-trust society today, but nothing guarantees that we will always remain one. It's essential that we steadfastly maintain our high standards, ensure that we have leaders who embody the right values, call out wrongs when wrongs are done, meet out punishment when punishment is due, preserve the sanctity of our institutions, never take the public trust for granted, and never allow lies, half-truths, and falsehoods to become the accepted norm in politics. There's more on this coming up. Uh, this is City Breakfast Show. I think sometimes we just need to allow everyone to sit down and listen and think. So every day we kind of discuss issues. So today I'm just going to play you uh, 
voices of reason about how other countries have made it. What you just heard was uh, spoken in February 2022. This was the Prime Minister Lee Lee, Lee Sien Long, and he was uh, speaking ahead of the deliberation of uh, a report on the Privileges Committee. So he made a general opening, then he dealt with the substantive issue, which I don't think is necessary for us. Then he concludes by talking about the future of Singapore's democracy. So when I come back, I'm going to Give, give you the highlights on the future of Singapore's democracy. Because I think we need to talk about our democracy. We need to talk about our system of leadership. We need to talk about how we elect our leaders. We need to talk about what we expect of duty bearers. We need to talk about what the system expects of us. We need to talk about what role the media has to play. We need to talk about the role of leadership in church, the role of leadership in media, the role of leadership in different stratas of society. That's how to make a functioning democracy thrive. We need to talk about the values, the norms, the ideals, and the sacrifices required to build a country. We need to talk about those things in very clear terms, without obfuscating the facts, without hiding under jargon and politics. We need to look at our situation and be honest with ourselves as to what kind of society we are building which is what I'm trying to do with today's program. So we'll hear more from the Prime Minister of Singapore. No shortcut to heaven. So before we get into that, it's 8 o'clock and time for tech and social media trends. Who is going to tell us who's sponsoring that? Brought to us by Cal Bank. Growing your business requires more than just thinking. It requires skills, strategy, and more importantly, financial support. At Cal Bank, we don't just think about your business. We support you and your business no matter how small it may be. Call us toll free on 0800-500-500. Cal Bank, forward together. And it's also brought to you by Vodafone Cash Over. Daniel Cranting is here. Oh, yes. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning, Bernard. Zap, zap, zap. E-Levy is trending. Giddy, 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 giddy. Uh, yesterday, a leading member of the MPP, Gabi Otridako, um, he tweeted that since the start of the implementation of, implementation of uh, the E-Levy, only 10% of the estimated revenue has been accrued. So, um, he says government has made about 60 million instead of the projected 600 million. So that has generated debate um, on social media. Um, even me, I'll stop using Unless it's very, very necessary. Charlie. Yeah, people are avoiding it. Like People have come up with all kinds of creative ways to avoid paying the yeah. interview, I tell you. But it also means a lot of people are going for cash, which... Mm-hmm sets us back you know we're trying to move towards being cashless and all of that and now people are like look if it means i've got to pay this Extra. i'm not gonna do it it's too much it's yeah. too much sam george is also in the trends uh, yesterday the u.s embassy uh, embassy in ghana their twitter handle he tweeted um this i quote um, the u.s is committed to ending violence discrimination and stigma against lgbtqi plus persons and promoting human rights and fundamental freedoms for all and then uh, Sam George came to quote the tweet and also um, mm. uh, replied that um, Ghana is also committed to ending senseless gun violence at anywhere and everywhere in the world. We are committed to seeing school children go to school without their parents scared of receiving calls of a school shooting involving military-grade weapons. He's hashtagged and gun, uh, the gun violence <laughs> everywhere. So is, then again, <laughs> is Sam George like the clapback king of Twitter? Because I tell you, <laughs> if you walk into his trap, yeah, he must spare you. Wow. Out of, out of nowhere. Violence from 
Um, Sam George. Our eyes Ghana is also in the trends. Yes, um, they are set to. In fact, yes, it's two minutes past eight a.m. So mm. I'm mm. sure they began their um, demonstration mm. against the economic conditions in the country. Um, so those are starting from a brass spot in circle, and they are supposed to end at uh, the Independence Square it's from eight a.m. to four p.m. Um, initially, they wanted to do it on the nights of uh, 28, that's tonight and then tomorrow night, but um, the police case, uh, kicked against it and the court asked them to do it um, today, so 8 p.m., 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., that's when the Arise Ghana um, demonstration will take place. Sarko, the features uh, is also in the trends. Yesterday, his manager, Angel Town, he just asked the uh, fans of Sarko there to um, name their favorite features of the artist, um, so people mm-hmm. are dropping uh, their favorite features. Mine is... Um, Major girl here and there. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Here and Shatter. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I love that one. In some tech news, Instagram was down yesterday. Just uh, it didn't reach an R. It didn't reach an R, but people noticed. Um, those who constantly live on Instagram, they noticed that the, mm. the app was down. Um, they have not uh, released a statement as to why and on what happened. Um, but yes, yesterday from uh, about 45 to 50 minutes, the Instagram app was down in some areas. So yes. Uh, that's that. Thank you, Danny. And that was Tech and Social Media Trends. Sweetheart. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. Minutes past eight in the breakfast show. We're thinking about our country by listening to the prime minister of another country speak to his parliamentarians who were about to deliberate a privileges committee report that suggested some wrongdoing among some MPs. I'm going to go back there shortly. But if you're having challenges with your insurance company or faced with numerous issues such as delay, refusal to pay claims, or unauthorized premium deductions. All the best investments you can make for yourself and your loved one is insurance. So the Ghana Insurance Association has set up the Complaints Management and Advisory Bureau 
to settle all insurance related issues between insurance and users of insurance companies. Reach out to the uh, CMAB by dialing star 800 star 442 hash or call 0800 442 or WhatsApp 055 And are you looking for a soaps only shop? Yes, a shop that sells only soap. Wow. Well, look no further. Join our family of monthly soap box subscribers mm. and receive all your monthly soap and detergent needs in the comfort of your home. Mm. We stock brands like Avino, St. Ives, Dove, Nivea, Dr. Teal's, Olay, Sanex, Fruiser, Neutrogena, Irish Spring. Look, there's so many brands, right? We're open from Monday to Saturday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for retail and wholesale business and all occasion hampers. There's also delivery service. Visit the soap shop today at the Trinity Baptist Church building along the UPSA road or call 0544-841-351. On Instagram, it's at thesoapshop.gh. The Soap Shop, your soap haven. Good work. And Zenith Bank just made linking your Ghana card details to your Zenith Bank account easy. Just go to zenithbank.com.gh or our Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter pages mm. to link your card to your account, or you can visit any Zenith Bank branch near you. An email and SMS with the link has also been sent to you, our valued customers. Remember, with effect from July 1st, 2022, you will not be able to effect any banking transactions if you have not updated your Zenith Bank account with your Ghana card details. Link your card to your account today. It's easy, quick, and convenient, and it's Zenith Bank in your best interest. And you can reserve a Dodoa Hills Premium Plot located at Dodoa near the fire service and enjoy secure gated community living. Facilities come with shopping, gym and fitness, swimming pool, child road network, and more. Pay a 5,000 CD deposit, reserve Dodoa Hills Plot, and spread the balance within a year to own your premium plot today. You can also pay 5% of the total amount to reserve your three or four bedroom executive house at North Legon. Spread the balance between three to four years. Call 054 Log on to dodowahills.com for more information. Alright, so the, the speech is much, is very long. The part that I aired before eight o'clock was on the theme public trust. It was on the theme. And this is a transcript of a speech by Prime Minister Lee Sien Long on the report of the Committee of Privileges at the Parliamentary sitting, 15 February 2022. Now, I'm going to jump the part that had to do with the details of the case that was being discussed because it's not relevant to us. But what I want to go to is getting to the end of the speech. He started talking about... So he spoke about public trust. Then he talked about the work of the committee. Then he spoke about the future of Singapore's democracy. So, which is interesting, every country has to model their democracy in a way that works for them. So there is no one-size-fits-all template. And I'm not by any stretch of imagination saying, let's go and copy everything Singapore is doing. In fact, if you read the Singapore story, they've not done anything original. They've copied the best of everything. Indeed, they say they are pragmatic. And they quote, incidentally, one of the Chinese leaders who says, it doesn't matter if it's a black cat or if it's a white cat. So long as it catches a mouse, it's a good cat. So that's pragmatism or practical approach. I'm asking you to listen to this, not because I want us to do everything Singapore does, but to think about our own democracy and say, so what needs to change about the way we manage things here? What needs to change about the way we govern? What, what needs to change about the way we live so we can have a better future for our children? That's the whole point of playing the speech. Let's enjoy the next few minutes. Mr. Speaker, we are all engaged in the same project, to build up Singapore's democracy and create a political system that will serve Singaporeans well for many years to come.
And to do that, we must uphold the right norms and reinforce the right values. I know Singaporeans want to see more political contestation, and I accept that. I expect that this is the way Singapore will go in the longer term. That's how every parliamentary democracy evolves. And it was precisely because I recognized this that on election night in 2020, after the Workers' Party won a second GRC in Sengkang, I offered to make Mr. Singh the leader of the opposition and equip him with the resources and support to play this role. That is the way a responsible government can help a credible, responsible opposition to emerge and contribute to the maturing of our political system. But the office of the leader of the opposition carries certain responsibilities, setting the tone for opposition MPs, enforcing standards of conduct on his own party, and above all, maintaining his own integrity and keeping himself beyond reproach. The leader of the opposition does not have a blank check. Mr. Speaker, integrity is the linchpin of democracy. The stakes of today's debate might have been lower if the opposition were a negligible presence, as they were from 1966 until the 1980s. The PAP was overwhelmingly dominant. The public generally had low expectations of opposition parties and politicians. The tone of the country and its governance was set by the PAP and the high standards that the PAP imposed on itself. But with Singapore heading towards a more contested landscape, the competence and honesty of the opposition is no longer an inconsequential matter. The question is, the question of what are the right values and how should we uphold them becomes of fundamental importance for both the opposition and the governing party. Every election henceforth will be about who wins the mandate to run this country. If the system is working properly, the governing party will be re-elected so long as it remains honest, competent, and trusted. If the governing party falls short and Singaporeans come to de deem an opposition party more honest and incorruptible, more competent and more trustworthy, then the governing party should be voted out and that opposition party should be voted in to form the next government. We cannot assume that the PAP will always continue in government, nor can we assume that the Workers' Party or some other opposition party or any other opposition party will always stay in the opposition. I do not know when or how there will be a change of governing party in Singapore one day. My job as party leader is to make sure the PAP governs well to the best of its ability so that it retains the mandate of the people for as many elections as possible. But my duty as the leader of the country is also to maximize the chances that whichever party wins future elections, it will uphold and be held to the same high standards of proper conduct and honesty as the PAP so that our democratic system can continue to operate properly
whichever party is in charge and won't go down the drain. Because a small island city-state like Singapore, the only one in the world like this, needs a strong, effective and good government, whoever leads it. With our lives and future at stake, everyone participating in the system must be held to the same standards. There can be no excuses, no double standards, and no pardoning of inexcusable behavior just because the offending party portrays itself as the underdog. Mr. John Major, the former British Prime Minister, recently made a speech, triggered by party gate, I'm sure, lamenting the state of British politics today. It was a cri de coeur, a cry from the heart. Let me read you a few excerpts. There has been cynicism about politics from the dawn of time. We are told that politicians are all the same. And this untruth conditions electors to condone lies as though they were the accepted currency of public life. But politicians are not all the same. And lies are just not acceptable. To imply otherwise is to cheapen public life and slander the vast majority of elected politicians who do not knowingly mislead. But some do, and their behavior is corrosive. This tarnishes both politics and the reputation of parliament. It is a dangerous trend. If lies become commonplace, truth ceases to exist. What and who, then, can we believe? The risk is nothing and no one. And where are we then? If trust in the word of our leaders in Parliament is lost, then trust in government will be lost too. John Majors is a Western view. But in Eastern society too, norms and values are crucial. In fact, even more than in Western philosophy, because Western philosophy says checks and balances, but Eastern philosophy says your virtue, your moral standing, that's what gives you the right to govern. In Confucian thought, there are four social guidelines, the si wei, that hold a state together. Rituals, righteousness, probity, and shame. Li yi lian shi. Probity, or desisting from corruption, is about upright behavior. It is a norm that can be enforced using laws. But shame, a reaction to wrongdoing, is a moral disposition. It's about one's own sense of right and wrong, whether we know we have done the right thing or we know we have fallen short, even when nobody said so. That has to come from within ourselves, from our own values, our own consciences. Absent that sense of shame, people may comply with laws for fear of punishment, but they will lack the moral compass to do the right thing simply because it is the right thing to do and to take responsibility when they have fallen short of the standards expected of them. 
What I personally find most disappointing in the Workers' Party narrative and in their response, including in this House today, is a complete absence of any admission that the three MPs have done anything wrong. There is no contrition. Whether from the Western or the Eastern view, if lack of shame becomes a public norm, our political system will break down progressively and irreversibly. Order. Leader. Mr. Speaker, may I seek your consent and the General Assent of Members present to move that the proceedings on the item under discussion be exempted from the provisions of Standing Order No. 48.8 to remove the time limit in respect of the Prime Minister's speech. I give my consent. Does the Leader of the House have the General Assent of Honourable Members present to so move? Aye. Leader, please proceed. Mr. Speaker, I beg to move that the proceedings on the item under discussion be exempted from the provisions of Standing Order No. 48.8 in respect of the Prime Minister's speech. The question is, as moved by the Leader of the House, as many as of the opinion say aye. aye. To the contrary, say no. I think the ayes have it. The ayes have it. Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, sir, whether you take a Western or an Eastern view, if lack of shame becomes the public norm, our political system will break down progressively and irreversibly. The public will mistrust not only individual leaders or particular political parties, but the whole political system. And this has happened too often elsewhere. If that happens, what do you do? What can you do? How can democracy function when there's no one we can trust to put in charge? How do you put Humpty Dumpty together again? How do you restart from zero? Press reset. A democracy not founded on integrity stands on shaky ground and will sooner or later totter. If instead of trust being the coin of the realm, as George Schultz put it, lies become the accepted currency of public life, as John Major said, all the sound and fury of contestation and debate will signify nothing good for the country. As Singapore politics grows more competitive, we must make sure that the competition is honest, impartial and above board. Where the system runs properly and our institutions remain sacred and respected by all, where good people work together constructively to serve Singaporeans, wherever they stand on the political spectrum, and most basic of all, where Singaporeans can trust those who represent them to conduct themselves honestly and honorably and act on behalf of the public and of Singapore. Mr. Speaker, the committee report is long and detailed, but the core issues are few and stark. We have scrutinized Ms. Khan's actions and its rights and wrongs. She has admitted her wrongdoings and will be punished appropriately for them. We thought the matter could be closed off straightforwardly, but there turned out to be a much larger problem. Online, people call this Raisa Gate after Watergate. And just like in the original Watergate affair, while investigating 
Ms. Raisa's transgressions, the committee unexpectedly stumbled upon a cover-up by Workers' Party leaders even more serious than the original offence. The committee didn't expect this. But now with the findings before us, it is our responsibility, Parliament's responsibility, for the MPs to take the necessary and appropriate course of action. Mr. Speaker, sir, trust is crucial for democracy to work well. Being truthful is fundamental to establishing trust. Honesty is non-negotiable. If you tell lies, how can the public trust you? If someone in a position of responsibility tells lies and visibly gets away with it, how can the public trust the system? And if Parliament condones lying among its own members, how can Singaporeans trust the institution of Parliament? If we let flagrant, egregious transgressions pass, it will erode trust in our leaders, respect for Parliament, and support for our whole political system, and Singapore will be heading for trouble. As the longest-serving member of this House, I feel a greater responsibility for this than most. When I first entered this House 37 years ago, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, Mr. Rajaratnam, Dr. To Chin Chai, Mr. Ong Pang Boon, Mr. E. W. Barker, and Mr. Jake Yun Tong were still members. Six of the ten who signed the separation agreement on the 9th of August in 1965. I've witnessed firsthand how the founding generation built up this place, handed it to us in good shape. For me, this is a sacred trust, and it should be a sacred trust too for every MP. We must all never fail to serve Singaporeans to the best of our ability, responsibly and honestly, and uphold this institution of Parliament as the foundation of a robust and healthy democracy. I call on all members in this House, old and new, government and opposition, elected and nominated, to weigh the facts, vote with your conscience, and join me to do your duty to Singapore. Mr. Speaker, sir, I support the motions. City Breakfast Show Speech delivered by the Prime Minister of Singapore 15th June 2022 In considering a matter before the Privileges Committee It's a parliamentary system So the Prime Minister is a member of Parliament Been in Parliament for 37 years And he addressed very important issues About the future of Singapore's democracy And why truth is important to establish trust And why trust is at the core of a functioning democracy why we can't compromise honesty the other things he said which may not be relevant for us today there's so many other speeches i could play but i just felt that sometimes we need to just listen and think you know, every time you have to comment and call and say anything just think about what you heard 
there's a lot more I'll bring to you but let's talk about your money it's brought to you by CBG CBG we stand with you alright Kukui Bernardino, today, just a word of caution to everyone. As we are all grappling with economic issues and our financial situation, beware of get-rich-quick schemes. Mm. This is the time where opportunists pounce on people who are vulnerable and desperate Mm. and try to convince you that you can double or triple or quadruple your money in a month if you just put in, you know, something unrealistic. It it, More than often, more Mm -hmm. often than not, sorry, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. So just mm. be careful. You know, we're already trying to hold on to our hard-earned money. The last thing you want to do is lose it because you got swept up in a get-rich-quick scheme. So mm. beware. Shine your eye. All right. Join the conversation on the City Breakfast Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag CityCBS. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. I've lived in Singapore almost 70 years now. When I grew up, uh, Singapore was still a poor developing country. Our per capita income when we became independent was $500, the same as Ghana and Africa. Either you can say the misfortune or the good fortune of being born in a very poor family in a poor Singapore. So when I was six years old, uh, when I went to school for the first day, uh, we were weighed at school. They wanted to see how heavy we were. And I was declared undernourished. (laughs) So I was put in a special feeding program. Uh, When I went to school and the principal had a big pail of milk and all the children who were underweight were asked to take one scoop of milk from the pail of milk. And uh, our house in Singapore had no flush toilet. There was crime and riots, gangster fights in my neighborhood. So in a sense, I grew up in what you call a typical third world environment. And it's quite remarkable that in my lifetime, Singapore has gone from being a third world country to a first world country. And I have lived through this remarkable transformation. I was dean of the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy for uh, 13 years, from 2004 to 2017. And uh, I would give every student who came to Lee Kuan Yew School the same lecture. I said, I'm going to share with you the secret of Singapore's success free of charge. And I would tell the students that if you implement this secret formula, your country will succeed. And I capture the secret formula with the acronym in English, uh, MPH. The M stands for meritocracy. Uh, Meritocracy means that you select the best people to run the country. And what brings many countries down, uh, especially in the third world, is that when it comes to selecting the finance minister or the economics minister, They will give their jobs to their brothers, their cousins, their uncles, their relatives, and not to the best people. And Singapore did the exact opposite. 
uh, in Singapore, the jobs were given to the best people. And in the case of uh, the Prime Minister, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, uh, Mr. Lee Hsien Loong, when he went to study in Cambridge University, he was the top student <laughs> uh, in the class, if not in the university. In fact, his professors were so impressed, they said, you should become a mathematician because you've become a world-class mathematician. Then he went to study in another great university, the Harvard Kennedy School. And in that university, he's one of the few students to get an article published uh, in a tier one economics journal. Very few students <laughs> get articles published in a tier one economics journal. So he's incredibly brilliant. And so if, if the best man of the job is Mr. Lee Kuan Yew's son, then he should be selected. Not on the basis of the fact that he's a relative, but on the basis that he's the best person for the job. So meritocracy is the first pillar of Singapore's secret formula. Uh, the second pillar is uh, P, and P stands for pragmatism. Pragmatism is an English word, and it's an English concept. But the best definition of pragmatism was given by China's leader, Mr. Deng Xiaoping, when he said it doesn't matter whether a cat is black or a cat is white. Uh, if the cat catches mice, it is a good cat. So in the same way, it doesn't matter what your ideology is. If it works, you use it. So Singapore was uh, very pragmatic. So you would take some policies that are capitalist and some policies that are socialist, and you would mix them up. <laughs> and that's what pragmatism is about. You're not bound by any uh, ideology. But the third pillar, the H is of course the hardest to achieve, eh? because H stands for honesty. And indeed, what has brought most third world countries down and what has led to their failures in development has been corruption. And so Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, after he became Prime Minister, made it a point to punish not the junior people, but the very senior people. So when a deputy minister went on holiday with his friend, a businessman, when he came back, he was arrested. And so he said, why am I being arrested? He says, you went on a holiday with the businessman, he paid all your expenses, that's corruption. You go to jail. So when a deputy minister is sent to jail, then everybody says, oops, I've got to be careful, I can also go to jail. So that honesty factor is one critical reason why Singapore has been exceptionally successful. So it's a combination of meritocracy, pragmatism and honesty. Then uh, that's the formula for Singapore success. They campaign in good poetry and rule in bad prose. People thinking they're on their toes. A sorin rhetoric. Dumb down to a mind, they are in power, people never get a dime. It's like having your heart broken by a very well-known flurry, there is no more heart to even break. And when it is election year, they huff and puff, like we can never ever call them on their blood. I'm here to serve, I'm here to serve, they scream out loud until we keel. Manifestos garnished for a people in need. And because we are trying to let our burdens lose weight, we fall for their lies until it is too late. We are blinded by showmanship of a candidate. We are to blame, really. Who hunts a heart over to a blind date? 
Or maybe not, because how do we choose the lesser of two evils when there is very little difference between both evils? Or do we elect what we reflect? A people knee-deep and neglect for morals, conscience and selflessness, expecting good governance all the while making a mess. Yet all we hear them say is... So I think the key points we're trying to reiterate today is uh, how a democracy should work in Ghana, what are the institutions, the norms, the values that are essential for our democratic system to function properly. How do we apply these general principles to specific cases like the one that they just discussed? And how can we secure democracy for the future so that it can long deliver happiness, prosperity, and progress for our nation? The starting point is to accept that the system we have is not working. That's just what we need to agree. System, the way we elect our leaders, yes, it may be fair, but it's too expensive. There's too much money involved. We don't necessarily elect the best people. And when they get into office, they really don't do what we expect them to do. And I feel part of the problem is we don't want to accept that the system is broken. We want to keep deceiving ourselves that it's working. And if you don't accept that the system needs fixing, you can't really do anything about it. So I hope this morning the Prime Minister... And, and for me, this is a Prime Minister of Singapore. Everything he said is quotable. The clarity of the thinking. You know, the the, the somberness of the moment. The, the MPs were not shouting or screaming. Even when they were moving for the extension of sitting... You compare that to what we do here with our privileges committee and the right to somebody. She says, I haven't seen the letter. You know, it's almost like, it's not, I mean, imagine that this was a, a, a position leader and her case was being discussed and the whole prime minister had to come and read a speech to explain why this person had to be punished. All right. Here, people can do anything they want. <laughs> you know, that's the problem. And it's, he made a point about when people lose trust in politicians. He quoted John Major. And I think we've gotten there. If you look at the poll Musa did, a lot of people say they are floating voters, they won't support any party. There's a real break in trust of political leadership. And if they don't accept it and fix it, we are screwed. And the re- and you see, trust is not a given. He says truth is, speaking truth is what gives you the trust. You don't, you don't have trust by birthright because I'm the leader, trust me. No, I will not trust you because you are lying. So if you speak the truth, then you, you earn the trust. And the, the trust you earn is what legitimizes your leadership. And he speaks in a different speech about the role of money in politics. He talks about the cost of the U.S. election. And in Ghana, a poor country, supposedly, our elections are so expensive to become a polling station executive before you become a branch organizer. Then you become, a, 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 what do you call it, a constituency organizer then regional organizer, before national organizer, the amount of money you should have paid to people. You know, how can, you, how, can a, a, how can good governance come out of a system which is so funded by money that is not properly accounted for? You know, so if we leave our politics to, I mean, 
sources of funding which are so intransparent. You have criminals entering politics or criminal gangs who are supporting politicians and that's where we've got into. Look at the era of land grabs. People go and collect people's land. You can't do anything. The police is compromised. You know? So now when they take steal your land, the first thing they do is they build a police station on it and then they put them... What kind of society is this? You know? And we are sitting inside this happily saying, well, we just do politics, voting... And uh, then I'm people are happy. people are on social media just I don't know I I don't know for me I'm saying that some people have made it work and you know what's interesting this guy who spoke in the second speech he went to school in the 60s at the time they were at the same level with Ghana and he has seen in his lifetime his country do better than Western countries yesterday David Ofosudo took our leapfrogging and he says. The underdeveloped world thinks that the developed world will wait for them. That's a mistake. He also said the developed world thinks we'll stay where we are. That's a mistake. But the truth is, if we are not angry about our state and we decide to implement change, nothing is going to change. Let's stop electing. And it, 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 it starts now. As I talk to you, political parties are choosing people. This is where it begins. <laughs> if the system of choosing all these guys is so flawed, how are you going to get good governance? You know, and he talks about the norms and the values. What do we value in the country? You know, I was interviewed last week. And I was saying the levels of leadership that are filled in Ghana are political leadership, and I call one socio-cultural leadership. I mean by that, religious leaders, chiefs, and media leaders—people who d- determine values—in addition to technocratic leadership. So instead of sort of just making naming sectors, political leadership sit at the top. Look at our parliament. I mean, look at the committee and what they do. Look at the way they even conduct themselves. You know, everything is partisan. And then, religious leaders. I mean, look look at what we are doing. National Cathedral. At this time of our economic life. Can you imagine? A country that has um, people that are paying 32 CDs a, a, a month to poor households. Can't pay school feeding. Can't pay for anything. NHIS, they have to scream before they get money. And then you say, well, let's build a cathedral. Nobody can say this is wrong. Nobody can say this is the misplaced priority because they want to be in the good books of the president. Are you serious about development? No, you're not. And when you say it, it means, well, you two support the opposition. You want to come to power. What do I need to be in politics for? It's almost like we can't think about our future. We can't think about what kind of society we want. Why can't we be respected? In one generation, a country moved from third world to first world. They didn't say they were socialists or they were capitalists. They didn't give themselves labels. They just found out what works. Our system is not working. And we are not prepared to accept it. All we want to do is to do politics. Go on social media every day. When you do a good program, people are pitching you against somebody. They are insulting. It's almost like they have, it's like they are looking for the next mistake to just do something. You will not educate yourself. You will not. You, you know, you look at the somberness of that parliament. And meanwhile, they have more reserves than all of us. They went through COVID. How many people died? You know, we, we have to think. You know, if, if, you are, if you don't sit down, you should listen. Maybe, if, maybe tomorrow I'll play the video for Sudote for you. If you don't sit down and think about your situation as a country, you cannot improve it. I'm telling you. And we are, we, we are not in a good place. We're not in a good place. And, you know, Bernard. Who sings on an empty stomach? It's a question we must ask. Who sings on an empty stomach? People are hungry. And so people also struggle to move the thinking to the next stage, which is development. 
which is the bigger issues that are required, building strong institutions. Because people are, we've, for a long time, we've, we've remained a people, most of us, who are thinking about what am I going to eat? How am I going to pay school fees? And until I'm able to answer those two or three questions, how, how am I going to feed my family? Where am I going to sleep? A lot of us don't want to think about leadership, institutions, and all those things. I'm simply focused on where is my bread. And for a long time, that is who we, have, we are and who we have become. So, And it's sad because that evolution for majority of the people, you talk about leapfrogging and moving. A lot of those countries were able to start thinking about trust, shame, quality leadership, strong institutions, because the day-to-day issues of what I'll eat and where I'll sleep stop becoming just the issues for them, if you get the point I'm making. I, I understand that, but I don't accept it entirely because adversity, two things, two things. Not everybody, in every society, there are different strata of people. Oh, yes. So the people who built Singapore, the, the elite, the privilege, we have privilege. Mm-hmm. So we are not hungry. Things are not going well, but we are not as hungry as everybody else. Mm. So there are, that's why I said there's a leadership failure. So religious or moral leadership, political leadership, and technocratic leadership are not as hungry as ordinary people. They must do the thinking. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, adversity can also provoke you to think. So mm. you, you, the fact that you are trying to survive does not mean that you cannot think about your values. Because you see, True. he's talking about values. He's talking about norms. So the fact that I'm hungry doesn't mean I should vote for corrupt people. Do you get me? There, and that's why I'm saying that we fail people by not instilling the right values in them. So the, the people who hold the moral compass, they themselves are falling short. Mm. So they cannot speak truth to power. Neither can they inculcate any new values. Mm-hmm. So And that's not because people are hungry. It's because leaders are failed to lead. So the fact that they are hungry citizens, he said that the time that he was in school, mm-hmm. his GDP was the same as that of Ghana. Yeah. And I'm sure the majority of the population was like him. But those who had privilege said, we know what, this privilege will not last if we don't bring other people along. And that's our fundamental failure. Yes. Do you understand? So for me, it goes back to leadership because everything rises and falls on leadership. Oh, and so when people, when people come to power and say, well, it's the citizens, then it means you, have, you, are, you are an imposter. Because no, no true leader blames citizens for, for, for the, for the behavior that his policies permit. Do you understand? So if you are not leading properly, then you think everything is about the citizens or our people, our people. Leadership sets the tone. He calls, he says in the Western world, they call it checks and balances. In the Eastern, they call it the moral, the moral right to right lead. To lead yes. The, the sacrifices. The, and I'm saying we, so I use, I use the term sociocultural leadership. Yes. Religious leadership, um, media, mm-hmm. all right. Me, the creative spaces have also not highlighted the right things. So we have a, we are we, we even have like um, media programming, which is supposed to help people rethink about their reality. We don't do that. So they use, and you see, survival is not an excuse not to develop. No, it's not. So, for example, if you're a movie maker, you can say, "Well, things are hard, so let me just do the shortcut." But what you're doing is not just making money. You're also trying to change minds. And if you, and if you, in the long run, it's what brings change that to sustain the money you make. So even if you do shortcut and do two by four, uh, movie, because you want to make money, that money will be spent 
quicker because there's no proper system around it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just appealing that we must accept the responsibility to lead even in our own space. Mm-hmm. Okay, I could say it's easier to bring people to come and argue about politics because I'll get more views. There are certain people when I bring on TV, I get more views. There are sometimes I don't want to bring them. It's not because I don't like views. Because in the long run, it's not the views. It's about whether what I'm doing is changing minds. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so the organizations also have the sense to know that if it's just about doing what is normal, so you can succeed now, that success has no future. Because at the end of the day, it's built on a foundation of sand. So, even with media work, we have to lead. Okay, that's why sometimes you get say, okay, today I'm not going to do any of the normal things. Because once the people think about their reality different, they will change their behavior. All right? And our political system is broken. It, it, it is not, it's not, I mean, are you telling me we are in a meritocracy? Even within the NPP, are you telling me that the people in position are the best people? Even within that party, if you want, if you want to be honest about it. If you want to, let's, let's, let's call it. If you look at the guys, I mean, I don't want to mention names. So it looks no, like, I'm, are, are you telling, are you telling me that in the people in some of them, even Robert Aunkalinsi, he was removed. Who replaced him? Is that a meritocracy? Why, how? Just are we running the thing because we want to get the best to do the work, or is because the people are in the party and they have a certain stature in the party? That's why I said it's not about loyalty to party. If you put the if you put the country first, there are so many people you put in position, you put them there. How can an MP be in the UK or US for whatever month? A ministry that has twenty one departments, which leap has not been changed since twenty fifteen. And you are telling me that she's the only person who can run that ministry. I'm not picking on her. I have nothing against her. But if you are in a hurry to develop a country, you keep her there. She does a TikTok video, comes up and says, for a, a third world country that is hungry for development. Come on. Uh, you, you can't tell me that. You can't find somebody in that party to lead that ministry with 21 departments. Go to the department. Go and ask the World Bank. When was the last time they made a requisition for money? When was the last time they came up with a new program that will take children off our streets? You are paying 32 cities a month. People are paying 13.99 cities for fuel. And your most effective social program in your most important ministry, the minister is somewhere. And for almost two years, you haven't even given a statement on it. You can't tell me that's a meritocracy. It's not because of politics. Let's, let's call a spade a spade. Is that the kind of thing you heard him say? Do you know what a meritocracy means? Mm. So we have to decide what we want as a country. We have to make a decision as a people what we want to promote. We have to decide if we want to develop or to continue being the offscaring of the world where everybody... I mean, when, sometimes when I go to Western airports, I, my heart just breaks. It's like, <laughs> it's like, why are you coming to my country? Like, I don't even want to be in your... I, I don't even want to travel. This is when they invite me to conferences. I don't even want to go. I want to do it on Zoom. For two years, I haven't traveled. I don't want to go anywhere. What am I going to do? You know, it's like... Hey, will you return? And all these kind of foolish questions because you hold a Ghanaian passport from West Africa, your country cannot be governed properly, you're always begging and things. Why? We need to have respect. We, we, we need to build a society. And you see, it will not, it will not happen in our lifetime, but if you're not prepared to pay the price for it, if you're not prepared to sacrifice, you can never create a good society. And we must elect leaders who sacrifice for the nation. Let's forget about this political jargon. And our own prejudice and our own myopic partisanship is what the politicians play on to use to cheat us every day uh-huh. because they know that because you are you vote NDC 
and because you are sent to vote MPP, so they'll keep doing it to you, and you'll pay for it because you won't think beyond your, your little tribe. That's the issue. So every day, go, you go on social, they, they, they are always they're waiting for people to insult. Partisanship is, the, is what the political class use to deceive us every day. People must wake up. Our political leaders have failed us. They are not doing the right thing. We must demand accountability. We deserve better. And this is why we have to all be more interested in what happens in our country. Interested in the economy. Look at where we are with the economy. Look at the situation we are facing. <laughs> look, at the, look, at, look at your faces. <laughs> what else do you want to see? <laughs> what else do you want us to see? That 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 we that we don't. I'm not, sorry, I'm attacking you. No, no, I'm just saying. That one, one PA. The point is, the point is, <laughs> sorry, I it gets to, but yeah, I, it gets to, broke, but but you see, it gets to a point. <laughs> you see, like, it gets it gets to a point where you are exasperated. Oh God. Okay, because I've I've I've, I've you and I have had these debates about. Sometimes my personal belief being that Ghanaians are sometimes even more political than religious. And this, this country is obsessed with religion. So if for a country that is as obsessed with religion as we are... Politics and religion. No, but yeah, we are. But 50, 50, depending on the day. At the, but at the moment, I'm telling you, politics is like 70. It's, it's taking... Because I've seen instances where people can leave the church and right at the doorstep of the church... They're arguing. They're arguing about MPP and DC, about who is what and what is what. Okay? And so... As for the politics of it, the political machine, which I always say, is the best-run institution in this country, MPP, NDC, and the rest. Well, the rest are not as well-run as those two. <laughs> but they are better-run, better-organized than... They are, they are run the way we expect our state institutions to be run. Okay? If we don't change those things, nothing will improve. And... <sighs> You're exasperated. Yeah, I'm just like, just it gets like to me. a point. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't know. Well, so that's why, I, that's why I said to play a speech. Let's think about, yeah. let's think about how other people are doing it. And let's come up with a way to solve our problem our way. But it's also, better just to wrap this up, you see, the political leadership should be mindful. And I will name call right now because I have to deal with this government right now. Mm-hmm. And perhaps on a better day when we have time, we will discuss some of these things. Because, but we, you see, we, we must play back some of the things Kenoferata said as an activist. Today there's a demonstration. Arise, Ghana, right? Mm-hmm. Six or seven years ago, Kenoferata was on the streets. Yeah. Saying things. Mm-hmm. These days, if we repeat those things to him, he will tell you he's not the one who said those things. I tell you. Oh, well, he will say it. He oh, said, he said what it. will he say? He, he cannot. <laughs> he can't say he cannot. Can Ofeata cannot say he said those things. Oh, he can't. Because then things people, have changed. People are playing the speeches every day. It's things have changed there a lot. No, they no, haven't. He needs to come and respond to some of those things. In, in certain instances, <laughs> things have even gotten. We will play back Dr. Mahmoud Baumia with Uncle Hold. The things they said. We will play back the president, the things they have said, and what we ex- and their existence, and ask them those things about trust, mm-hmm. about shame, mm-hmm. especially about shame. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you look at this environment we are in, we will have that conversation. But like you said, your time is up, and mm-hmm. you said you said quite a few things today. We will get to so. It. Please, uh, the the audios are on YouTube. Eh? I'm going <laughs> to get it and listen. That was Lee Cien Long. Yes, couple of quick announcements before we go into today's edition of the City Business Festival on a series which is going to be focused on 
import substitution agriculture. My guest is the COO of Gersal, Techi Sraha. So, uh, before that, there's a new company. Mm. I, I like the name. There is. What's it called? It's called Qual Realty. <laughs> Qual Realty. That is the name. Spelled Qual. That is what I see on the sheets before me. My Lord. Yes. Whether or not it's a relation to the gentleman sitting to my left We're not sure. is another story. But <laughs> for those of you wow. looking for homes, all right, if you want a home that doesn't compromise on quality and style, Qual Realty has the perfect home for you. Call 0277-890-000 to book a viewing of the pristine garden homes located in Sakumono Community 14 next to the Celebrity Golf Club. You can also visit qualrealty.com for more information. That's Qual realty.com <laughs> and are you thinking about getting a project started how about paying rent and fees for a course well i know you're worried and lamenting about how to pay off your expensive loans and to rebook a new loan at a cheaper rate but don't worry first atlantic bank's controller loan is your solution if you're a government worker whose salary is paid by the controller and accountant general's department you can apply for a loan of up to 150,000 ghana cities for all your pressing needs wait no longer go to any first atlantic bank uh, branch near you or dial star 442 star 30 hash to apply and enjoy the lowest rates first atlantic bank refreshingly different just wanted to remind you the qual realty no the qual is q u a o <laughs> and the realty is r e a l t y <laughs> and the number is 0277 890 yeah reminder yeah reminder <laughs> well, are you doing business in Ghana or seeking to invest in Ghana? Are you looking for a valuable market intel to foster growth of your business? Then talk to us today at the Ghana Investment Promotion Center, GIPC. We'll give you accurate information on investment opportunities, incentive packages, technology transfer agreements, and so much more. Locate us at Vivo Place in Cantonments or call us on 0302-665-125. You can also go to gipc.gov.gh or on social media, it's at GIPC. GIPC Ghana. That's on Facebook, Twitter, IG, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Okay? Let's continue to grow in Ghana and go with Ghana. See, see your face. <laughs> what have I done? See your face. I haven't done anything. Oh, you have business. real estate I know nothing. Please, if you are related to me and you own this, please get in touch. Now, land litigation will make you spend more time, more money, and it's stressful. Make mm. the right choice by securing your desired plot of land at Shandonia Garden. It's a 100-acre gated community located at Community 24, five minutes drive from the axle toll point of the Accra Motorway, and the plots are fully titled, 24-7 security, asphalted road, underground electrification, basketball, tennis courts, the whole shebang, really. Mm-hmm. They've got three, six, eight, and 12-month payment plans and outright payment. Their offices are located at Dr. Korte, Papa Fuel Road, Airport Res, Old Ghana Airways building. Or you can give them a call on 0302-765-436 or visit shandoniaproperties.com mm. and you can get them on social media as well. You know, in secondary school, our assistant uh-huh. headmaster was Mr. Koti Papafio. Oh, okay. A.K.A. Tope. Tope. <laughs> he had a very, there was an interesting episode he had yeah. with one SS3 student. Uh-huh. So, you know, the SS3 caught the court area. Mm. He was, after break. Mm. And there was this boy, so one of the boys were lecturing around. Mm. He said, ah, 
Some three boys. Won't you get into your classroom and do something better with yourself? Mm. And then one of the guys just pulled his head out of the window <sighs> and said, What are you also doing outside? <laughs> hey, get to your office and do something <laughs> Anyway, the 1st of July is the date Please, those who are still dilly-dallying With your Ghana card and bank records We beg you, go and update those records Because from the 1st of July The Ghana card is the only ID That will be accepted If you are undertaking financial transactions In all the banks So please do that And this ad is brought to you By the Ghana Association of Banks I have yeah. a question about this. Okay. So are you saying to me that if I go into my bank yep. after the 1st of July yeah. and I want to conduct a transaction yeah. and I'm holding my Ghana card but I haven't yet updated my records? No, update it. So yes. they're basically saying, so, but if you don't have the Ghana card, then you'll be in trouble. So get your Ghana card. Because the, so the, basically the get your Ghana card. Like, so if uh-huh. you get to the bank on the 1st of July and you have your Ghana card, they will update your record. F- fine. But if you don't have your Ghana yes. card... On first of July, so mainly like just what? get a Ghana card. Yeah, but, 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 the, point, the, the, but what's the point of having a Ghana card not updating? But so my point is, you can update at any time. No, do it before first July. But I can do it after first July. So what if you have the Ghana card? Okay, yes. So what will happen if I have the card and I haven't updated? That, exactly. If you haven't updated, if you haven't updated, you can't access your account. Why? Uh-huh. So you have to. So even if you have the card after first July, they'll have to update before you can access the okay. account. But they'll do. They'll still update it. So the update is the issue. If you don't update, no account. But, but but the f- personally, Bernard, I think you are 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 because you see, they are probably with multiple accounts, some of which I even remember that I've even whatever. So maybe let me get them yeah, in yeah, yeah. to ask the question so you can get, get so we know. So for yeah, example, yeah. if all they do is oh Ghana card, your number one, two, three, four, five, and twenty, then they type it. Why can't they use do I have to pay? Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something. Yeah. There, was, there was a day I went to the bank. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to yeah. take money from the ATM and the ATM was not working. Mm-hmm. So when I go to the bank what they do trying to fix it. Oh, by the way, do you have your Ghana card? I say yes. Give it to me. So whilst I was waiting for the ATM thing, she yeah. takes my Ghana card, goes into my name, she does da 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 da, and says, "Updated your record. Thank you very much, Mr. Avle. Take your card. Two seconds. I went in. That's that what I say you should do. So, but my point is that why why because you, you now give people the sense that everybody has to rush to the bank before because July. if you don't tell people to do it before first July, you never do it. No, but the thing is, all you say is that when you come in after first July, it will still be updated, though. Like I'll, because I won't be able to transact. But you need to set a deadline. Whatever. Why? I don't know. We okay, look, the next I'm, time I go in, just I'm, update I'm it for out me. of my depths here. I'm not. I'm not even. I don't even know why you're asking me these questions. Okay, I'm just being an announcement. Understand this first July thing. Okay, guys, you know what? Come into the bank. Just ask me for my card. I will. I will get the right. I will get the right information. I'll call the NIA. I'll call the banks. I'll yeah, call so the telcos, yeah. and I'll I'll get the clarity. So I don't have the answers. I don't know why they have given the deadline. I don't work for the state. Please stop harassing me. <laughs> we're going into the city business festival, and the segment is also brought to us by Chango. If you're still lending or sending group contributions to someone's personal wallet, they will chop the money. <laughs> Serious. The yes. Chango thing is an institution you are building, right? So. If you're contributing, whether it's somebody's wedding, some dues, or something you're trying to raise money for, the app will help you. And it's approved by the Bank of Ghana. So it's really a crowdfunding app that's like no other. You can call 0270-066614 or go to changoapp.com for more information. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation.
Welcome to another edition of your Honest Series here on the City Business Festival. This is our fifth and final week as we now look at agri and agribusiness. The City Business Festival is brought to you by APSA with support from MTN, GIPC, Gersal and IT Consortium. This week we want to try and understand agriculture as an industry. And we've already said that this week is really sponsored by Gersal because they have a big, big event on Wednesday where they'll be bringing stakeholders in the agricultural sector together to discuss important aspects of the sector. Today we'll be speaking to the Chief Operating Officer of Gersal to understand the issues of import substitution and why financing agriculture is important for that sector. He's called Techi Sraha. Good morning, Techi. Welcome to the segment. Good morning, Bernard. And good morning to your listeners and viewers. Fantastic. Gersal is a very interesting acronym. Gersal is Ghana Incentive-Based Risk Sharing System for Agric Lending. Is it a new organization? Yeah, we, we've been uh, operating since July uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gersal was uh, established as a non-bank financial institution uh, by the government of Ghana to help uh, the risk lending to the agri sector by the financial institutions. And by so doing, stimulate uh, investment uh, to that sector. So which means that the major bottleneck for lending to agri is risk. Yes. So the role gets our place to help reduce. When you say the risk, it's reduce yeah, the risk. Yeah, reduce the risk. And make uh, lending to the sector uh, comfortable for, 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 for the financial institution. I so, know you, we all uh, have this perception that agric is a, a risky uh, sector for lending. And because of that perception, I mean, uh, financial institutions are also very uh, careful or reluctant in, in lending to, to, to the sector. And if you look at the uh, lending to the sector, I mean, fr- from the Bank of Ghana uh, uh, data, lending to the sector as a percentage of the total commercial lending, we're talking about less than 4%. Though from where we sit, uh, we think it's, it's more, than, more than that because uh, because of the way uh, the classification of uh, lending to agric is uh, being done currently. But the official uh, figure is about 4%. You're right, because I was reviewing the financials of some banks, and I think they categorize agric as maybe purely lending to somebody in the production. Yeah. Whereas if they lend somebody in, say, insecticides, they may not see it directly as agric. Right. So you think that the portfolio is much bigger? Yeah, much bigger. Because, for example, uh, most banks don't, don't uh, book a lending to, uh, let's say, cocoa. The, the Licensed buying companies who purchase cocoa as agri, they, they may classify them under service and finance. But cocoa uh, buying is an aggregation activity along the value chain of the cocoa uh, commodity. Uh, so it's the way that we, we, we classify uh, lending to agri. We yeah. think it's, it, it should be more. It should be more. But yeah. be that as it may, what the, the work gets out does will obviously increase the quality and the quantity of lending to agriculture. Uh, definitely. Mm. Because we, we set up uh, to use uh, our risking instrument. We have uh, two of, of, of that. Uh, we have the uh, credit uh, mm-hmm. sharing facility, which we use to uh, provide credit guarantees on loans that uh, financial institutions lend to agribusinesses. 
and and through that, uh, what it means is that as a, a commercial bank or a financial institution, if you receive an application, let's say one, uh, one million, uh, we, we share the risk with you, and our risk sharing can go up to seventy percent of the principal amount. Mm -hmm. So, which means that if we we guarantee seventy percent of uh, one million, we, we tell you that the seven hundred thousand, if on the likely event, uh, the loan goes bad. Uh, Gesa will be there to. So it gives a it. bit of comfort to the banks. Definitely. So eventually, the excuse the banks give, and I use excuse advisedly, it could be reason that they can't lend because it's too risky. Hopefully, that reduces. Yeah, yeah. With, with, with this uh, uh, scheme, Amazing. and again, our our technical uh, uh, assistant component is also uh, structured in a way to build the capacity of the staff of the financial institution to, uh, in terms of enhancing their knowledge in agriculture and agribusiness, so that in a way, they will be able to assess uh, better some of the applications that come to them oh, and wow. also structure it, it better. And so it's not just the, the risking aspect, but you also do capacity building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you work with the agri units of banks. Yes. So, uh, since we started operation, we collaborating with the National Banking College, where with uh, uh, running a three-model uh, training program for all staff of financial institutions. We mm. just want everybody to understand agree so that the, the relationship manager, who is the point, first point of call, when an agree ag ag proposal <laughs> is received, at least it will not be something that uh, will not receive a favorable response. Which means that we probably need more agree trained or agric-oriented bankers as well. So if a farmer or somebody who's tra trained in agriculture is in a bank, you're probably more favorable to, to lend to the sector. So a lot of it is also misunderstand of the way the value That's chain right. works. Yeah. The way, if uh, the, the uh, understanding of these value chains are, 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 are not uh, there, then the way you even uh, structure the facility uh, will, be, will be problematic because uh, Agriculture works on cycles. Mm. Okay, mm. so if I'm a maize farmer and I need uh, uh, a loan, and part of the loan I have to apply to buy uh, seed or prepare land, and I apply that this facility should be available at the time uh, that the rains are there and need to be prepared uh, for planting, and the, uh, because the appreciation of these cycles is not there and the bank delays. Then you are setting up... Give me the money. Yeah, you are, you are setting up that business. So, so that's yeah. an interesting yeah. insight. So even understanding the cycles of different crops yeah, and things is, is, is helps very, to even tailor the, the, the amount. Very, uh, very wow. important. Amazing stuff. All right, so this is the CT Business Festival. Today is the beginning of our conversations on agri and agribusiness. My guest is the COO of GESAL. He's explained what the acronym is. I'm sure by the end of the show I'll get the full name. But uh, Tita is helping us appreciate what GESAL does. We'll talk a bit about import substitution shortly and why three key value chains are important for Ghana to develop. But I just wanted to go back to this organization. It started in 2019. Why is the Bank of Ghana involved in this? Because is it, just give me some insight, what, what role do they play in this? <laughs> okay. Actually, the whole conception of GESA uh, started somewhere in 2014 when uh, our currency was having uh, some challenges as, as <laughs> we, are, we are seeing now. And 
when the you look at the the causes of some of these uh, challenges, it was the fact that we importing a lot of uh, agricultural commodities, and some of these commodities we, we have the the capacity and the environment to to produce them here. So that was the time during that time. Then the Bank of Ghana got in touch with uh, Mofa on how to address some of these uh, challenges. And through discussion with the with the CEOs of the financial uh, institution and agribusiness, there was then the suggestion that if government comes out with a, a system or a scheme that provides some comfort to the financial institution, they will be able to learn and then uh, make uh, financing available to agribusinesses to be able to produce some of these commodities that uh, yeah. we, we so it's, it's, been, it's been something that has been well thought through yeah, yeah. and developed and, and over the years. Bank of Ghana has been very instrumental. Even the, the seed capital of 200 million that we started uh, this scheme which was provided by Bank know. of Ghana and then the government through Ministry of Finance also yeah. uh, uh, took a, a, a facility from agri Agriculture uh, African Development Bank uh, to, to, support, yeah, to support Which that. means the monetary side of our economic, macroeconomic policy realizes that with the poor development of agri and agribusiness there's more pressure on the currency because we have to import more. Definitely. Which is why import substitution becomes a yeah, key very, very, focus of gas. Definitely. Mm. Because if uh, you look you look at the figures in 2019, we imported about 1.9 billion. Wow. Uh, U.S. dollars. Dollars. Of food and agriculture related products. Almost, into, almost $2 billion. Dollars. this country. And... Wow. The, the prominent uh, 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 commodities were rice, uh, wheat, uh, soya bean, and poultry. Rice, wheat, soya bean, and poultry. And uh, uh, aside wheat, all the three major ones, we, we can produce them here uh, competitively if uh, the right strategies are, are adopted. This is interesting. So let's just clarify something. The difference between what GSL is doing and the Uncle Lenders program. I'm, I'm bringing this up because I remember a few months ago there was this big story about the rice pyramid in Nigeria yeah. which was a drive championed by the Central Bank of Nigeria and they created something they call the Uncle Lenders program with some monies made available for cooperatives through the banks. How different is what we are doing with GSL from that Uncle Lenders program the Nigerian Central Bank did? Okay. Uh, the way we operate as GESA and, and, and NESA are, are totally different, though we have certain uh, similarities. Uh, the ANCO uh, Lenders Program, if I understand, is a special uh, uh, program that was set up for the uh, central bank to provide money to agribusiness mm. direct okay. uh, through uh, the financial institutions with uh, uh, NASA providing uh, support in that uh, direction. Uh, but in Ghana, the way we work is the the, agri uh, the financial institutions are our primary primary stakeholders. And uh, NASA, I mean, when we started, we went to uh, NASA. The, their seed capital then was, if if I uh, I remember, uh, five hundred million. Uh, 
US dollars. That was given to them to start. Uh, when we started, we had uh, roughly uh, around 50 uh, million uh, seed capital. So we much were smaller. Yeah, we are, we are much smaller. So there's restriction with respect to what we can do. But we, uh, for us, our strategy was that the we deal directly with the uh, financial institutions. Mm -hmm. They have the the, 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 the the funds to provide to 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 the to the to the agri businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, we did this because of the uh, you know the moral hazard uh, that is involved. Mm -hmm. There have been programs that. Uh, government have directly given uh, and funds. people see it as yeah, free money. Yes. So uh, the strategy is to work through the banks, give them the, the assurance that uh, should anything go bad, we, we provide that support uh, mm. for you to, to, to wow. continue lending. This is the City Business mm. Festival and we're talking agri and agribusiness. My guest is the Chief Operating Officer of Gersal. We will come back and talk more about import substitution and also talk about some of the things they will be doing at Gersau this week because they have a very important conversation for the nation of agriculture as well. Stay with us. The entire month of June has been dedicated to business on City TV and 97.3 City FM. The City Business Festival will give entrepreneurs, SMEs, and individuals the needed insights and knowledge to advance their businesses. Join the weekly business forums every Tuesday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. live on City TV for discussions on various thematic areas each week, beginning with Week 1, Reimagining the Digital Economy. Week 2, Resetting your SME after COVID-19. Week 3, the Ghana Opportunity. Week 4, Consumer Market. Week 5, Agribusiness. Also, tune in every weekday morning for the City Business Festival on Air Series on the City Breakfast Show on 97.3 City FM to acquire the information you need to kickstart, grow, improve, strengthen, and expand your business. There will be a lesson for every business with the City Business Festival this June only on City TV, 97.3 CDFM and on CNR Digital. The City Business Festival proudly sponsored by Absa Bank and supported by MTN Momo, MTN Business, IT Consortium, the Ghana Investment Promotion Center and Gersol. Welcome back to the City Business Festival. This week is our fifth and final week and we're focused on agri and agribusiness. The festival is brought to you by APSA with support from MTN, Gersal, GIPC, and IT Consortium. My guest is the Chief Operating Officer of Gersal, Titi Sraha. So let's talk about import substitution. You have a very startling statistic that last year we spent close to $2 billion importing food and food-related items. Right. And the four you mentioned, we produced three here. Rice, uh, poultry, tomato, and wheat. Or was it rice? Soya. Soya. So yeah. Rice, poultry, so, soya, soya and wheat. Yeah. Good. So let's come to rice as a starting point. Obviously, right. that's the one we spend most money on. Yeah. What is the nature of the value chain that makes it difficult for us to be self-sufficient in rice production? For which reason, we have to import from Thailand, Vietnam, China, and U.S. Okay. So, I mean, if we talk about the value chain, we're talking about the, the input uh, suppliers, uh, primary production, mm -hmm. the aggregation, processing, and marketing. Mm -hmm. 
in the in the rice sector, mm-hmm. uh, as you may be aware, over the years, uh, government have initiated a number of uh, initiatives, mm-hmm. all in support of uh, production, mm-hmm. because. The, let's say the last 10 or so years, uh, our local production mm-hmm. was quite low, and as such, that uh, led to import coming to fill in the, uh, the gap. So these uh, initiatives, including the, the current planting for food and jobs, uh, have increased uh, production of paddy to about uh, 987,000 uh, metric tons, mm-hmm. which uh, in uh, equivalent terms, we're talking about 620,000 uh, uh, metric tons of male rice. But this is not <laughs> sufficient uh, to meet uh, our, our national uh, consumption, which mm-hmm. uh, estimates puts around uh, 1.4, 1.5, Mm-hmm. Uh, a million uh, metric tons. So over the years, imports have uh, fed into this, and uh, currently we're doing like uh, 700,000 uh, metric tons of import. Mm-hmm. Uh, that comes, as you said, that comes uh, from uh, Vietnam, Indonesia, our Asian countries. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and the, 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 the issues that has uh, militated against we uh, catching up with uh, this import is the fact that uh, our production uh, uh, in terms of farm level uh, yields are, are low mm-hmm. as a result of the quality of uh, seeds that uh, farmers are using. I must say that over the years there has been uh, development of uh, uh, varieties that are uh, can, it's, uh, same as those that the, our Asian uh, uh, farmers are using, which uh, farmers are, are planting. But because of the uh, nature of their production system, most of the farmers, I mean, smallholders constitute a large chunk of the rice farmers, and they still uh, produce under rain-fed conditions with limited uh, irrigation facilities. And as such, uh, it has an impact on the, on the yield, because uh, they can uh, get the the current year is around uh, 3.28 per hectare, which the, 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 the potential is about uh, 6 uh, metric tons of, per hectare. So we need to improve that. On, on top of that, the, the harvesting and threshing technologies are also not appropriate. Uh, uh, we have not mechanized our system such enough that uh, farmers have access to combined harvesters to mm-hmm. be able to harvest uh, the rice and uh, the paddy in an appropriate uh, manner that ensures that the quality of paddy mm-hmm. that our processes are, are getting will help them achieve the, the recovery rate that uh, is uh, the, uh, achieved in other, other areas. So, uh, mechanization with re- respect to our harvesting Mm. And threshing system is also need to be improved, and all of this needs money yes. to be invested. Invested in. in. What about milling capacity? Is that targeted in the uh, lending within the rice the, side? The private sector have invested in milling capacity. Okay. Then uh, estimates put our current 
uh, capacity at around 500 metric tons, which will be equivalent to process enough uh, to, to meet the, 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 the imports that we get. But some of these uh, uh, processing plants will need retooling, changing some uh, components to be able to, uh, to mill rice to the quality of those uh, imported. So the milling capacity is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few of the rice uh, uh, processes that we've guaranteed through some banks uh, uh, to improve on their, 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 their milling capacity and change some, some components to be able to operate efficiently. I see. You also mentioned uh, soya yeah. And then you mentioned poultry, poultry. which are related. Yeah. Just talk to me a bit about the value chain issues there and how you see this increased lending transforming those two sectors. Right. So uh, soya is uh, a major <laughs> input in in feed, poultry feed. For, for, for poultry, maize and soya. Mm-hmm. And uh, I must say the last few years uh, have seen uh, increase in uh, soya, soya production. Mm-hmm. But not to the level that will meet the industry requirement. Okay. And interestingly, uh, some exporters also came into the scene and uh, buying and exporting. Mm. So uh, the maize and soya uh, co- uh, constitute about seven, uh, 60 to 70% of the, of the feed component of poultry. And because, uh, for example, maize... Uh, uh, we are not produce. I would, I would say most of our production are from uh, smallholder uh, uh, systems. Uh, we have few uh, commercial f- farms. Maybe you can count about five large-scale commercial maize uh, production. So uh, we have efficiencies in, in, in production. Yields uh, are low, and as such, cost of maize is, 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 is very high. And what is available is also not enough to feed uh, ourselves for food, for consumption, and also for, for industry and, and, and for poultry. So uh, in that area, I think we, we need to, uh, in addition to the current support mm-hmm. to the smallholders, we also have to prioritize medium to large scale uh, production of maize. Mm. Uh, to be able to produce in large quantities, uh, and also as a nation, focus on uh, developing some strategic uh, uh, food reserves. Mm-hmm. One to to uh, to stabilize uh, prices and also make uh, these products available to strategic to, stock. Yeah, very important. So you are going to support large scale, or you are hoping. That the finances will support large-scale yeah. maize yeah. production, right. so that the, f- the price fluctuations will reduce, right. and the dependence on imports will come down. Because if if we these uh, large-scale producers mm-hmm. have the technology and know-how to be able to produce efficiently and achieve the the, the potential yields, mm. uh, that will make uh, uh, prices, uh, I mean, stabilize prices, and also. Uh, uh, it, Increase uh, uh, output, and so in this directly influences the, the poultry industry. That's right. So in a, so the poultry because bottleneck is feed. Feed, mm-hmm. and if we are producing efficiently, mm-hmm. the cost of uh, uh, the feed ingredient uh, is likely to come down. 
So you may not even expect banks to give money directly to poultry farmers. Just by investing in maize and soy, yeah. soya, you're basically solving their feed problem, and which is the main reason why a lot of them are not profitable. Yeah, so uh, we, we also look at value chain financing. Mm-hmm. For yeah. example, if you, the, the maize farmer requires, uh, the poultry farmer <laughs> mm-hmm. depends on the, the, the maize or the, 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 the uh, soya producer. Mm-hmm. So if as a financial institution, you are financing the poultry industry. You should be interested in financing those uh, players who provide the input for 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 the poultry farmer. Mm-hmm. In that way, is you make it uh, easy mm. for the poultry farmer to 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 be successful in uh, what okay. they are doing. Let, let's talk about tomato. Yeah. What baffles me is how <laughs> Ghana being a more tropical country than Burkina Faso. Mm-hmm. Burkina is more Sahelian. We rather import or depend on them for some of their tomatoes. Is it just the type? Is it a financing issue? What's the? Is it the type of tomato we plant? What do you know about the tomato challenges? Uh, the the what I know has to do with the variety. All right. Okay. The the, the variety that they, they grow over there. The the, the re- research has been able to develop. Mm. Uh, the type that is adaptable to their their, their conditions mm-hmm. is uh, is what the, the 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 commercial operators like. It has long uh, shelf life, uh, less watery, and also the the bricks and color is good. <laughs> okay, and they have invested to do that. Um, uh, I must say uh, that is what uh, we have to do, and I know. Through the uh, agri component of the Ghana Case of Batampa uh, uh, pro- uh, program, uh, research is being supported to develop certain commercial uh, varieties uh, for, for, for the industry. I, see. But I must say, uh, tomato production, especially on a large scale, is, is a difficult uh, uh, venture. Mm. And we are yet, as uh, a country, to be able to. A perfect mm. that that production because it's uh, tomato is susceptible to a lot of fungal diseases. Mm. If your production uh, system is not well perfected, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it leads to a lot of uh, uh, losses. Yeah. Let's talk about your stakeholder convening and advocacy platform. So, mm-hmm. apart from the de-risking and the capacity building you do for yeah. banks, I notice you are also trying to create a platform for conversation about agriculture and bringing stakeholders together. Just just give me some background into that and what's going to happen on Wednesday. Okay. So, uh, where we sit, as I indicated, we've been operating for the last three years and where we sit, Mm -hmm. and some of the uh, proposal that has come to us, we realize that there are a lot of challenges Mm -hmm. that the the agri-business sector uh, faces. But, we see these challenges as, as risks. And if uh, such challenges are not uh, addressed, they feed into the already perception that uh, agri is a, a risky venture and as such uh, put off the, uh, the, the financial institution and even investment to that sector. So uh, what we, as part of our strategic focus going into the next five years, is to champion uh, some of these issues and see how they can 
be be addressed. So the the Wednesday's uh, uh, forum, we we seek to bring together uh, uh, stakeholders within the agri sector, and we're looking at uh, setting up together with the stakeholder and agribusiness uh, platform which will be a multi-stakeholder uh, group that comes together uh, initiate discussion uh, to address certain issues mm -hmm. in the in the agri sector so just generally what are your final thoughts on the prospects for the sector the main driver of the, of the economy and if we promote agri uh, commodities it spares uh, export brings in uh, foreign exchange and also help feed our 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 population so if the focus is to uh, as a country to to uh, to promote agriculture with funding support the technical support then it will help improve our economy. Brilliant. We've been speaking to Techis Raha, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Gersal, and they are partners for this week's version of the City Business Festival. Indeed, they've been our media, one of our sponsors for the whole month. And this week, they will be having a very important stakeholder forum, Agriculture Stakeholder Convening and Advocacy Platform, on the theme Redefining Ghana's agriculture transformation agenda and there will be some key people from both the Bank of Ghana, the Ministry of Agri, as well as people in the Agri value chain discussing the sector. That's a good set off for us for this week. Hope you've learned something new. My name is Bernard Avle. Thank you for watching. We'll be with you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah. Nine forty two on the City Breakfast Show. So that was Bernard speaking to the good people of Gersal talking about lending and all of that um, in the agri space. Very important. This week is dedicated to agri business on our City Business uh, Festival. So do stay tuned for more insightful chit chats on agri and related matters. Nine forty-three. Still listening to the City Breakfast Show. Let's move on to other matters. Um, we've been joined by uh, two of our very good friends from uh, the GIZ. We'll be talking business formalization, registration clinics for SMEs. Of course, small businesses are hoping to, to upscale medium-sized businesses as well. So I've been joined by Mauli 
um, Aloma Mauli Alomenu, okay, of the CDC group, and Seth Amunyako, also of the CDC group. Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Welcome to the City Breakfast Show. Uh, good morning. How are you doing? Great. Very good. <laughs> Alrighty. Let's start off. Uh, let me start off with um, with Mauli. Okay. Let me start off with with uh, Seth. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, let's talk about business formalization. Why is it important? Why are we even having this conversation about business formalization, especially in these very interesting times? Why are we talking about business formalization? Yeah. Thank you very much. Let me say good morning to all your listeners this morning. So, yesterday was World MSME Day. Mm. Yeah. And the theme was resilience and rebuilding MSMEs for sustainable development. Yeah. Okay. So globally, this day was observed, and we observed it as well here in Ghana. Okay. And we see the importance of MSME to the every economy yes, globally. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and Ghana is not exempted. So we see how MSMEs have contributed greatly to okay. the economy of Ghana. You know, as the engine of group, uh, growth, as we always say. Mm. And the, when you talk about the employment, MSMEs are so key in it. Government revenues, the MSMEs contribute greatly to it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, we do know that you are putting together um, training, of course, to get businesses to understand what it means to um, formalize or be formal and all of that. Yeah. What exactly is that training covering? What yeah. What will you be so, doing so, there? So even before we we move the mm. you know the the benefit of the formalization. Yes. Yeah. Important. You know. So with this, yesterday mm-hmm. we saw GEA publishing what they've seen as the, the cause for MSMEs not willing to formalize. Uh-huh. It wasn't different from what World Bank and the other okay, development partners okay, okay. reported on. Mm. Okay, so key of these issues had to do with the fear of being monitored by the government. Institutions <laughs> fear, yeah. Okay. They fear that when they become formal, their operations can be monitored by the government. Mm. They will chase them for taxes, they will chase them, such as uh, the snakes will come after them. Mm, okay. That has been the fear for a number of MSMEs in Ghana. Okay. And you, when you move on, we have the, the micro, small, medium enterprises. Okay. As you are coming down from, from, um, medium, from medium, small, small and the micro, and the, micro mm-hmm. the level of informality increases. Okay. Yeah. So we have a number of them. And, and Ghana, Majority of what well, we, we talk MSMEs broadly, mm. but majority of them are micro. Okay, we are operating at the micro level. Okay, with two, three employees, a mm. number of them are like that. Some okay. with no employees at all. Okay, okay. So uh, they fear that if they get formal, they can be tracked, they can be monitored, they will be um, taxed. Taxed. All of that. Yeah, you know. But the the the, the irony situation is this: they are paying taxes. We have for. So from, from CDC, we are implementing this project with mm-hmm. um, CDC Limehouse, okay. and it's, the sponsor is GIC. Okay. okay. We have, over the past, last year, 2021 to date, we have interacted with, with more than 1,500 MSMEs. Mm. And the issues are so clear. You know, a number of them, they are paying taxes. Mm. That, well, let me put it in quotes, taxes, because some are not really taxes. Mm-hmm. They are paying what they are not supposed to pay. Okay. They are paying more than they should pay. Okay. A number of them are running into losses, but they can't even see. Okay. Just running away from, from uh, formalization. Mm. You are paying something that 
you are not obliged yeah. to pay because okay. we know that uh, you have to pay tax on your profit. Yes. The number of them are paying taxes, apart from the indirect taxes, they are paying so much on revenue. Okay. Just what you sell, mm. you pay so much on it. And that is really drowning them. A number of them are collapsing. Yeah. That has been the challenge and the mm-hmm. reason why they must formalize. So, yeah. Number two is on access to uh, funding. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about it. I heard Bernard's interview about the asking the financial institutions to come in for them. Under the project we are running, we have engaged with a number of FSPs, the financial service providers, to develop products for MSMEs. Okay. Okay. But the challenge is this. We always talk about it from the point, uh, look at the perspective of the MSMEs. Let's look at the FSPs as well. So they, they have risk there that they need to protect their investment. Mm-hmm. They, they have investment they need to maximize their returns. Okay. But when it comes to the, the MSMEs, a number of them are not ready to assess funding. Okay. We talk about access to funding as a challenge. Availability is not the issue. From all the, the workshops we've had, we've seen that availability is not really a challenge. Mm. Accessibility and affordability, you know, but with the projects that we are implementing, a number of them from GIZ, We've seen that the FSPs, if they are supported, they can come up with products that are relevant to the need of the MSMEs. Yeah. So formalization helps them to get ready to assess funding. When you ask them in, in workshops, you ask them, do you need external funding? Yes. How much do you need? They have to scratch their head. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so access to funding hasn't really, the, the way we have been making so much let me not use noise. We have been, been talking, talking much about, yeah, about mm. but the MSMEs to assess funding, number of them are not ready. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the business formalization workshops and registration clinics that you are facilitating, who are they targeted toward? Like who's going to be attending the training? So, yeah, great. So as you mentioned, MSMEs in general, mm-hmm. MSMEs, matter the, the sector you are operating, we, we are not doing sector specific. Okay. Yeah, so far as you are into business, mm-hmm. you are Ghanaian, running business in Ghana, we want you to formalize. Okay. We want you to participate in the session. We want you to... So, during the session, we'll be taking youth, uh, the participants, through what it means to formalize. First, we start with business registration. Mm. A number of them are not re- registered. Okay, when we talk about registration, there are several legal structures. I know you know about that. But a number of business owners are not privy to, to that. We will look into tax registration, the structures, and then the very, you know various structures, legal structures, and then what the tax implications will be. So we run them through this. We look at tax registration, bank account opening requirements, business permits, what you need to do the business, licensing permits, snitch registration, business insurance. So, so another thing that has come up greatly, especially after COVID, that institutions need to insure. Then association membership, we support institutions in this. Mm. So one good thing about this is that we are doing this in collaboration with GA. So when institutions are taking through this, MSMEs are taking through this, GA through the BACs, the business advisory centers and the business resource centers, support them to register. Okay. Mm. And the other benefit is that GIZ has taken part of the costs. Okay. Cost of registration, yeah, it has also been a challenge. So over 60% of the cost to 80% has been taken care of. Mm-hmm. So as an institution, yeah, you just pay um, something small 
to get your business registered. That's if they come through if your come through workshops. This, that is through it. the workshops. Otherwise, okay. you go through the normal procedure with RGD, which has also been a bottleneck okay. from the workshops okay. that we've, we've had. That yes, they need a uh, Ghana card to go through the registration, but majority of them don't have don't it. have the Ghana. Card. But through this, BACs, the BRCs have a way to arrange with them, so they will take you through the process, even when you are in the process of securing or obtaining the Ghana card. They have a way to get it through for you. So once you go through it, a day or two within a week, your Registration document should be ready. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, what key advice would you give to businesses that want to stand out in the midst of all the current global challenges <laughs> that we're facing? Yes, great. So, I won't. I won't. Let me start still with the the formalization. This is so key. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, after COVID, there have been so much interventions being undertaken in this space, micro uh, MSME space. Mm. The development partners are supporting. We know World Bank is supporting. GIZ has played so key role mm. in this. Mm. So they are even giving um, grants to institutions. But key requirements, the basic requirement is registration. You need to register. MSMEs must be registered first before you can assess any support. So we, 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 we talk about, um, look at after and the benefit is kind of the Africa Continental Free Trade Area that we've been talking about. It, of course, it, give us, it will give us access to a wider market. But it's coming with competition. So MSMEs in Ghana, if you really want to play the game, you want to really assess wider markets, you need to go formal. You need to go into re- to register, get your bank document rights, make sure that your business permits, everything is working well mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that other challenge, which I, I omitted in the earlier submission, had to do with access to um, skilled labor. Mm. Because most of them are informal. Any serious guy doesn't want to stay in this where there's no structure. But once you go, you formalize, you're going to get access to the skilled mm-hmm. market. Okay. Yeah. And what we've seen is that there's so much great uh, growth potential with these MSMEs. A number of them have the potential to grow. But because of informality, they are remaining small because they, they, they don't see how they can grow. They don't see how they can become bigger. But we see it. As consultants operating in this space, okay. we see the, the potentials that the institutions have. Mm. That if they would open up and then move in to formalize, they're going to become bigger and bigger. Mm. So the advice we we'll give is that, I mean, you need to move. Don't stay in your corner. Don't try to manage ma- manage it small. They are managing with, we, we say they are managing with their eyes. As far as their eyes can see, that's what they can manage. Because mm-hmm. it becomes bigger organization, bigger institutions, they will lose track of it. That is what feedback we've received. Okay. Yeah. But formalization will help you to put in structures that if you're a business owner, it doesn't mean that you must be the one there running the day-to-day affairs of the business. Okay. You can be a business owner, but you don't need to sit there to monitor what is going on. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Final questions. One, how many regions um, has this campaign visited or toured? And any concluding remarks? Somebody who's listening has a small business, medium-sized business, and their interest has been piqued. How how do they get into? So first of all, how many regions have you have you been to so far? Okay. So we have been to Western mm-hmm. Western region. We've been to Ashanti. Okay. We've been to Bono. And then northern. Okay, so that's four. Four. Okay. So we are in Accra. Okay. Currently, we are in Accra, undertaking this at Africa Regent Hotel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And 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 
you know, as we wrap it up, concluding remarks by me from you. Somebody's listening. They have a business. They, they didn't. Who probably they didn't even know that you could formalize. So what what are you telling them? How can they get on board if they are interested? How can they be part of yeah, this training? So you know, the issue is this: a lot of these interventions going on are not hand picking institutions. Mm. We are dealing with associations. Okay. Although this is open to all, but we've been working with associations. There are so many interventions ongoing, from from CDC. There are a number of them. We're working with uh, GIZ on access to MSME financial management and access to finance. It's just launched. We, we just started this. Okay. And there are several of them that we are implementing. Mm. But you see, we are not dealing with individuals. We're not dealing with okay. individual institutions. So what we advise is that just move. No matter how small you are, no matter how little you think your input is, you are contributing to Ghana. The economy of Ghana, you're continuing to build in Ghana. So we want you to formalize. And there's so much help available to MSMEs. But if you stay in your corner, your small corner in your house, you can assess this. Others are receiving machines. In in Western in Takara, this is one of the projects we implemented. The DPs are buying equipment and machines for institutions as grants post-COVID. Yeah, but if you stay in your corner, you won't get access to this. Mm. Okay. So mm. your advice is people should join an association that is, you know, within their field or sector. Okay. Then that then association is can, who you liaise with to, to bring them okay. on board. Yeah. So yeah. currently, so you said it's ongoing now. That at give the information again where where the training is happening. Where the training is happening. Yeah, it's happening at Africa Regents mm. Hotel. Okay. Today and tomorrow. Today and tomorrow. Yeah. So if you're just hearing me. And just you, make your way there. You can make your way there to African regions. Mm-hmm. The consultants are there to help you. BACs, GEA, business advisory centers, okay. and the business resource centers officers are there okay. to help restriction process. Okay, all right. So I've been speaking to Seth Amunyako. He was supported by uh, Mauli Alumenu. Both of them are from the CDC group, and they are working on the business formalization. Okay, they are working with Limehouse Solutions. They are the lead consultants on the project. Uh, the project is being sponsored by the GIZ. It's all about business formalization and the registration clinic. Get your business in order. Get it formalized. There are so many advantages. Don't miss out on those benefits. All right, thank you. And all the best with your exercise. Still listening to the City Breakfast Show. It's two minutes to ten. We'll take a snappy break. When we come back, we wrap it all up on the show. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. This is the City Breakfast Show. The city's biggest conversation. Unleashing the power of relevant radio. This is City 97.3. Welcome back. Uh, We're wrapping it up. But MTN is saying there are so many ways to keep enjoying the things you love just because everything is made simple. Down, uh, you can do your top up using Momo or my MTN app and you can purchase your airtime from any vendor and get a 100% bonus. MTN everywhere you go that's our uh, cbs for the morning we are back tomorrow and uh, before i leave quick happy birthday to one of the greatest to ever do music in this town mr elo madabla aka el aka young Lomi. happy birthday to you el 